everyone, and welcome back once again to the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites' weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. My name is Brian Vitali. I've got the usual crew here today. We have Josh Torres. Coming to you in 50 hertz. Adam Vitali. Hello. James Galizio. I'm the ghost of frames long past. And Chao Min Wu. Hello. We're nearing the end of May. It's been kind of a quiet period in terms of releases, a little bit less quiet in terms of news. We've actually got three sort of announcements here uh, to talk about that are actually quite interesting, not mega stories in the terms of what we might see in the E3 quote unquote months of June, but some of the interesting things to look forward to in the upcoming years for new projects, uh, new works from new games that we're looking forward to to play in the future. But in terms of actual releases, let's not sugarcoat it. It's been a little bit dead, which is kind of okay because it gives us time to talk about games that are releasing in other genres. We got a lot of games in our backlog. I still have to get to Stranger of Paradise. Other people have getting get into other games that are released this year during the crowded February time period that we weren't able to get to. This might be another podcast that is a little bit news heavy, and it might be something that we end up having to talk about a little bit outside of our normal purview, but it should be okay. We'll just kind of go through and see what is what ends up leading to a natural discussion here. At the outset here, one thing that I will mention is that during the last podcast, we talked about that we were expecting news on the Final Fantasy IX TV show showing. Uh, We had some discussion and some statement saying that we were going to get the kind of the revelation or the, you know, our first look at this at the licensing expo, which was held in the last week of May in the last few days. Now, at the time of recording, that expo has concluded at least the uh, the actual event with some online features still like trickling out. And as far as I can tell, nothing has been reported from the Final Fantasy IX show that we were expecting. So not sure why that is, but we, instead of just leaving it empty air, I figured just call it out right at the start here saying uh, we were interested in hoping, hopefully reporting on that this week. But as, as far as I can tell, nothing has come out from that. So we'll, we'll keep our eyes peeled. Adam, you've got the eagle eyes for this stuff. So just let me know if you see anything and we'll report on it as soon as anything is made public so specifically um animation magazine which is a website i suppose uh (laughs) they had an interview with uh uh a the vice president of the paris based animation group cybergroup studios who is kind of like heading this show and in this interview he said specifically um our most recently developed shows, Digital Girl, The McFire Family, Press Start, and Final Fantasy IX will be presented for the first time. Now, this is to, like, like industry people at an exposition. So I wasn't maybe, like, expecting, like, a fully-fledged, like, trailer. But I was thinking maybe we'll get, you know, a render or a logo or a production I was, I was hoping for, uh, but, like, the good old days, like, in old E3s where someone has, like, really shitty, like, phone camera footage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Because, you know, this, is, this isn't like a public, like, expo. It was more like a convention. I guess it's called Licensing hence, Expo. Hence the it's name like Licensing a, Expo. Yeah. yeah, but it was more like an like a industry convention. Um, I thought maybe we'd get, like, something, but not yet. Uh, I, heard, I, have, I haven't checked this out myself, but I've heard that, like, the exposition kind of continues online for a bit. So maybe something will pop up. But, I, I, you know, I wouldn't put my hopes up. But we'll see it eventually. Yeah, we'll report on it as soon as we see something. All right. As I mentioned, it's kind of been a quiet time for game releases, but we're going to start out here with a game that was recently announced that we kind of teased or the was teased by the developer and publisher last week that we covered on the podcast then. And that was from 
Furyu. Say, who are they? The publisher, the developers, Three Rings, and they had discussed and introduced Project Try Try, which we had talked at the time that Sal over at Gamatsu had kind of reasoned was short for a project called Trinity Trigger. And we learned that, yes, that is indeed the case. And we got all of our first new details, screenshots, and trailer for the upcoming Trinity Trigger. We even got a release date for Japan that it is releasing in September of this year, September 15th. Get it out of the way at the start. There is no formal announcement at this time of any sort of English localization. But we do have two articles up on the website about the announcement of Trinity Trigger from Furyu. And in addition to these announcements, they did also provide a demo available to play. Play. I don't know if this demo is available on every console. This game is slated to release for Nintendo Switch and Sony consoles. And we're going to open up with this because Josh was actually able to get into the uh, demo and played it for us. So obviously we'll go on, we'll kind of go into like what the website shows and what the trailer discusses in a moment. But I figure we just hand it over to the person who's gone hands on. So Josh, I don't know how much time you put into this, but you were able to go ahead and play Trinity Trigger for us. Uh, just kind of what yeah, are your thoughts I, and what is, what is the game? And just give us give us the lowdown. Yeah, before I get into it, like just to you know expand on what what you were saying. So the limited, it's a limited time demo, and they're they're gonna have a. It'll be open till June thirtieth, and then they're gonna have a questionnaire in Japanese to offer feedback uh, on the game. It's a it's a weird situation where since the demo is unrated, it's hard to get it on a Sony console because for some reason uh, Sony has like a mandatory policy in uh, the Japanese stores. They've had it. Uh, on it for quite a while for a few years now where uh it has to be at least priced at 100 yen for like a free demo they, it's just one of their policies because it's like because it's an unrated game and since it, it hasn't received like a, a seto rating yet seto is like the rating in japan like kind of like the esrb um it's treated like if it's an unrated that it, it 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 could it's assumed that it could be like the highest rating so it's like it's more uh that 100 yen rating is put as a fail safe and like i had like 400 yen in my psn japanese psn account but i can't i can't even access those funds because the funds that it wants has to be like taken from like a japanese credit card as it's like to prove that you're over 18 so that there's like weird barriers to that meanwhile you can uh, you can easily get the demo uh for free uh on the nintendo eShop, the japanese store so that's how i uh got it and played it it's very easy very simple um and then for the platforms, like you said, it's coming to PlayStation 5, 4, and the Switch. Um, these are the confirmed platforms that was shown by, you know, the official website, the trailer. There there was a there was a weird maybe printing error in the Famitsu uh, magazine issue where it, which unveiled this, which had PC as one of like the platforms listed. But as far as we can uh, as we understand that like that that might have just had a printing error on their end and like it's it's not coming to PC because it hasn't been shown at all on the official website and any like Japanese news outlets uh, for this game. Yeah, just, uh, just to be like clear, when Famitsu like shows the platforms or like these little like banners on the bottom of the page, I just say like PlayStation, Switch, PC. So I could see it like being, you know, they just accidentally included the PC little flag there when it didn't need to be. It wasn't like in like the title or the text. It was just this little flag at the bottom of the page. It just says PC. Yeah. And I think they've done it before where they've inadvertently had like the wrong platforms. Listed. Yeah, they, they, yeah so, they've done it a couple of times. I mean, I'm sure regardless, if somebody picks this up for localization, it's very likely it'll get a PC version yeah. uh, eventually. 
because that's just you know pretty normal these days. But I don't. It's I, I. It's not really confirmed yet. But anyways, the short of it is, and feel free to jump off from here. That this looks to be like a second densetsu sort of style of game. Yeah. Uh, or in other words, mana. Mm-hmm. Kinda. Yeah. This this is a pretty like interesting game um, where. Like the appeal of it, like the primary appeal of it, I think to a lot of people is for people who are who are missing like local co-op play from like from JRPGs. Like I, I know a lot of people are bummed at the recent Trials of Mana remake that came out that like they took out um, local co-op and that was like a lot of like the allure of that game to people because you know people have fond memories of like playing with their siblings or friends, you know, playing like you know playing uh, Secret of Mana together. You know, because it was such a th- like a like a unique thing back in the day that you didn't see much in those types of games. So Trinity Trigger is the action RPG where you control. Uh, you have three playable characters as far as the demo is concerned. You have Sian or Cyan, uh, Elise, and Xanthus. And uh, at the very start, you only control Cyan, and then you're just getting acclimated to the controls where you can move around. It's like an open field area. Uh, kind of like a snowy forest that you're uh, in, like the tutorial area. So you're moving around it in 3D, and then you're introduced like to a dodge roll mechanic, and um, and you can dash while you're uh, moving around. So you have like two bars uh, by your like, your character portrait down at the bottom. You have your uh, typical HP bar, which is green, and then uh, underneath it, it's kind of like a like a almost like a stamina stamina mana bar in blue uh, underneath it. And this is like kind of like how it gets really weird how this is handled because every time you attack, uh, Cyan has a sword at first. Um, it'll deplete this bar, and then your your uh, normal attack chain uh, it goes up to three moves. So uh, each of those three moves are, are like abilities in that move set that you could swap out for another like alternate ability. So you can like switch switch up your move set, and each of those abilities cost like a certain amount of mana. And when you deplete that that mana gauge uh, completely, like all of your attacks will do virtually no damage. Like uh, they'll they'll have very very reduced damage. So you want to obviously make sure that you have a decent amount of those like always saved up. And they they regenerate pretty fast, almost like a stamina bar in other action RPGs. So it's not that like you're waiting forever to get like this mana bar back or anything. The, As someone who da- hasn't played the mana series, this might be a silly. Com- comparison but it's what i thought of so this game is completely being marketed as a three-player co-op game from like a not quite an isometric perspective but from like a horizontal from a vertical perspective i thought of crystal chronicles that's what that's the thing that i okay like, yeah, thought of yeah, in terms of paint, painting it from your mind's eye mm-hmm. you're looking down at the at the overview at the field with the three characters uh Sword, yeah. bow, and axe basically are their weapon sets, and they have like different color coordinations for like what identifies that character across this field as they team up on enemies and things like that. It's like, oh, this is kind of like Crystal Chronicles, only with a much more quick combat system, a lot more action focused. Yeah, uh, it's only local co-op play uh, that they revealed that when the full game comes out. So, you know, uh, uh, get uh, up to two uh, other players with you to play, but it's only locally, no online co-op, unfortunately. Which is a bummer. Um, if it ever does get a PC release, um, hopefully it plays nicely with Steam Remote Play. If it does uh, happen, but uh, I guess, uh, what's up? We could probably talk about that later in news if we want to. I don't know. Well, no, go for it. What, what did you want to say? Uh, just uh, the uh, newest uh, Steam Deck OS update adds uh, 
proper remote play support uh, together for it. Okay, like even like proper like was was remote play like broken or something before the Steam OS? I update? don't think I don't think it was officially supported yet. Until oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, yeah. So hopefully, it, like I've never tried it. I I hear from people that it's like it's decent, but hopefully this uh, this works well with that because like I would love to play with other people. Uh, this game, I I think I think assuming game, it actually does get a PC release. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um. You know, after after that tutorial area, and you're kind of introduced to these systems. You know, you're you understand that like, you know the when you dash, it'll consume that mana bar. When you uh, do a dodge roll, it'll like halt like the regen of that stamina 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 bar like momentarily. After that area, you're you get your second party member Elise. She has a bow, and also Cyan gets another weapon type. Uh, he gets a bow as well, so you can switch between sword and bow for him. And then uh, for in the meantime, Elise will only have a bow. Same thing. You you uh, you start getting introduced to like oh you can swap out moves. So for example, um, Elise's like normal move chain with her bow is like she does like a normal bow shot, and then like she goes to like a more like a like a machine gun type of like uh, consecutive uh, bow shots in her second skill, and like her third one is like a powered up like shot from a distance. So from what I remember, when like switching up her skills, let's say I switch out her second skill and third skill with the other skill. Her second skill turns into like an arrow rain uh, type of situation where she like shoots up in the air and then a, a, a rain of arrows come down. And then her third alternate skill in that demo was like instead of like the powered up shot from a distance, she'll like hop towards the enemy and close the distance really fast, and then like and then fire off like a like a, sh- a powered up shot. Um, so it's like a, good for like mobility if you want to get up close to your en- uh, enemy. Uh, like so when that. you're playing this demo, uh, are you playing like? Sorry if you explain this, but I'm trying to paint it in the picture in my head. Are you like playing as all three characters and toggling between them, or are you playing? Because uh, I because if it's only local co-op, then obviously you're not playing with others. But if the game is designed for three players, I'm just wondering how this all worked out. In the yeah, demo. yeah, yeah. You, you, you can switch freely between the characters uh, on the fly. The the when you when you hop off one character to another, the AI will take over the other character. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and unfortunately the AI isn't great, but you know, surprise. You know, yeah, but it, it, the switching is pretty uh, instantaneous, and it doesn't like, it, like you know how our uh, sometimes JRPGs when you like switch to a character, they like occupy the same space that your uh, current playable character is in, so you like there's no repositioning. Right. Uh, in yeah, this I mean, one, uh, you're, were you gonna say something? No, just like 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 modern East games or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Swap right in. Yeah, and in this one, you actually like hop over to like to the position of the other character. So when you switch and they're like at the other side of the enemy, you'll actually start there when you start. Uh, uh, okay. uh, Final Fantasy VII remake, them. which invented yeah. this. <laughs> invented it. <laughs> um, so um, so that that gives like interesting situations, like you know, in the boss battle that you face later on in this demo, like it's kind of like a like a golem structure type deal. And um, you can easily like surround it and like take control of like one character from one side and then switch over to the other character on another side uh, for that. And it it kind of works out to your benefit because uh, you also have like a, a super powered up move that you can uh, initiate when your like your weapon uh, glows, and then you can initiate like a, a powered up attack uh, from there. I guess I, I should also mention that uh, this game also has like these. Pokemon-esque creatures called triggers 
they were actually de designed by some Pokemon designers uh, on them, and uh, they these creatures transform into the actual weapons that the, your main characters use, sort of like the Soul Eater manga and anime. That that's kind of the reasoning why like these wep weapons are so special, and you can do like fancy things with them and switch up their abilities and um, superfoods. And they also talk, yeah. So this is so you know, as you're exploring out of the field, uh, taking out enemies uh, together with, with your two characters, you're kind of getting the feel of like, okay, this, this is this is definitely feels like like a Seiken Densetsu type game where everyone has like their own independent like action or ability to move around if you're playing locally, and you know, ha they have like some form of like customizing customizing in like their their weapon move sets. And like you can even switch up super moves, I think, but there was there weren't any altered super moves that they uh, offered in the demo. You eventually visit a town. Um, you know, it's your typical uh, town in RPGs. It has an inn. You can buy like new stuff, um, like consumables, uh, crafting materials. You'll you'll get introduced to the crafting later on when you meet a blacksmith uh, early uh, later on in the dungeon. And she, uh, this blacksmith has like big bunny ears uh, <laughs> on her, so she, she seems really seems really funny. Um, and then you can like slot in sort of like materia into your weapons, but they're more like passive like stat uh, boosts, when I can tell. So like you can craft like these little like red like colored orbs and slot them into like your characters, but uh, from what I understand, it like it only like boosts their passive stats uh, on on it. Also, there are like save crystals in the towns where you can also upgrade like your uh, individual abilities with uh, technique points. So if you want to like have certain moves in your move set do more damage, you can power them up there. And then it, it's uh, you go uh, eventually venture forth into another open field into a dungeon. The dungeon area, uh, you know, has like your typical set of puzzle, environmental puzzles to get the treasure chests. You get up to like the the uh, top floor of it. And you fight this boss, and then the interesting thing is, like, even though the the demo technically ends there, it says thank you for playing and everything, and uh, it actually unlocks a lot more content after you uh, complete the the demo. It unlocks the third playable character, and then it unlocks like new weapon categories. So at first, you only have the sword and the bow for uh, Cyan, and then at least only has the bow. Um, after you complete the demo, the third playable character has uh, fists and like a, a poleaxe, and then Elise gets her second weapon type, which is uh, the spear. And from what I understand, as you like uh, progress through the game, everyone will be able to get access to every weapon type. There's like a total of eight weapon types. So there's a lot of like customizability of like how you want uh, your characters to, what weapons you want them to main, and what their moveset will be like with that weapon. So there could be some interesting like chemistry you can uh, have, like say when you're playing with other you know, people with you, you can like form like a, a strategy of like, okay, maybe we want to tackle like this encounter like with uh, th these weapons and these skills because they synergize well with each other. Um, I don't exactly the know. Eight, the eight weapon type thing is also similar to Secret of Mana mm -hmm. um, and also the Adventures of Mana as well. Um, also, just quick mention that like this, the entire soundtrack for this game is being done by the Secret of Mana Trial of Mana composer, which is Hiroki Kakuta. Mm -hmm. And apparently it's going to be pretty sizable. Uh, Femitsu interview said it's like 60 to 70 tracks. Oh, wow. So, like, that's a lot of new Kikuta music, if you really like that, from Secret yeah. of Mana and Charles of Mana. So. Yeah. 
like so I'm going for that uh definitely going for that mana like vibe uh, absolutely sure. yeah they're definitely aiming to be a spiritual successor i don't exactly know how well this game will like hold up like as a solo experience like like as i was playing through the game and like knowing that this game will have some form of co-op i didn't know if it was local or online yet i was just playing i was like i was like thinking it's like this is okay as like a solo experience but i think i would really enjoy this play with other friends and like you know sharing this experience together and going through the campaign together and a lot like, of games are um of this sort of style there, there's, there's a good number of games that are just a lot funner when you're a lot more fun when you're playing with friends <laughs> and, and an average game in local co-op or even you know nowadays with easy prevalence of voice chat and stream sharing and things like that like a mediocre game can be can be an absolute blast in co-op i don't know yeah so i i think that's like that's why i'm always like i'm like kind of crossing my fingers that this does get like a, a pc steam release uh and if it gets localized and um you know it seems like it'd be a really fun time with other people but yeah that was just the, that was the demos like barely like if you if you're like exhausting content and it's like maybe two and a half to three hours it's like a decent chunk of like of a game that was barely announced and uh like the story bits in it are like very you know unfinished like they're like kind of like small vignettes i don't think that's how the the full game will present these story scenes they did these were just like very quick like vignette backdrops of like okay this and this happened and then this person joined and then um there's very very quick like you know this is what this is sort of what happens and it seems like it's going to be this takes place early on um in the game so it doesn't really spoil anything but yeah that's uh you know uh what i got to check out of trinity trigger it, it ran fine on the switch it was pretty it was uh 60 fps uh, pretty consistently uh on it without uh much drops and I guess yeah, one thing that you that I'm not sure that you covered is one of the things we kind of talked last week during the tease when back then this when this was Project Try Try that mm-hmm. for you like they talked about like some of the talent behind the uh, the game and they talked about these these triggers spirit like beings that actually do have art by Pokemon illustrators. I watched the gameplay trailer. I just didn't see them being very prevalent. They're the so, yeah, they're the weapons. The, the, ah, the, those, okay. those triggers like transform into the weapons, and then and like, but in story cutscenes, like they'll transform back to the Pokemon-like creatures, and then like can like actually participate in dialogue. They can speak and everything. Yeah, they can mm. talk. So they are like legitimate. Just they're Digimon in the game now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm not sure exactly like if you'll meet more throughout the story or like how, if they, if there are more how they play a role in the in the story um, it'll be interesting to see i think oh yeah um i i'm like looking through the gallery of our trinity trigger screenshots and artwork and one of the one of the uh, artwork that we that we do have is the blacksmith girl with like the big 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 bunny ears yeah so, the the website had a bunch of like other character art by the way the character art is being done by Rate Kazuma who did and it's and it's some, amazing it's really good yeah some xenoblade art but um Xenoblade is kind of a mix of artists, but a mm. lot of like Brigadine, uh, Stranger of Sword City, if you're familiar yeah. with these games. Yeah, well, uh, very good artist. Yeah, I will say that the, the 2D art is better than the 3D models. The 3D models are fine. I feel like that's true for a lot of these mid budget yeah. JRPGs. But yeah, when you look at the visuals of this really game, good. go ahead. Yeah, when you look at the visuals of this game, like it reminds me of like a, a mix between like the Alliance Alive and Bravely Default 2. Like, uh, like thinking like if. If the Alliance Alive got like a follow up in the in the same vein as like how Bravely Default, but the Bravely Default too, like it's like almost a natural evolution of what a scaled up the Alliance Alive would look like in, to me when I look at this game. It's it's like it's not bad. It's just like it's 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 very simplistic and effective. Um, so I, like 
you know, it's it's I'm not really like one to like look for like super graphical fidelity from like because I know I have I already have my expectations set from like a Furu game for better or worse. But, like so, it it doesn't really bother me that much. Um, I also I also wanted to commented like you know for for uh, Raita like they've uh, a lot of people also associate them with a certain character artwork from the Fate Grand Order mobile game because uh, they've done like a lot of uh, popular characters. Like anyway, right I don't though. think I think I cut up, cut myself off on my first uh, comment. They uploaded a bunch of characters to the website. Like here are all the characters you'll meet, but they actually haven't like introduced them yet. So mm. we have all the art, but yeah, and you'll see that this is to the artwork when they're like talking with each other, uh, like through uh, like the dialogue segments. So that's cool. And not, I mean... not, not not every game does that. Like, I kind of wish uh, like Triangle Strategy did that because a lot of times, it, unless you go into the menu, a lot of that 2D art you just don't see when you're playing that game. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I enjoy when they have the portraits in place uh, during dialogue and things like that. And as I said at the top, this is already has a release date in Japan of September 15th. Uh, there is no no news or announcement yet of an English localization at this point. And with that, we'll kind of go on into other games that, have, that people have been playing this week. As we've said, it's kind of been a slow period. But one game that did release this week that Josh did tease about last week was the newest title from Team Ladybug. Uh, I hope I get this right, Drainus. Now, I don't know much about this other than that Team Ladybug, they also did that. Wonder yeah, Labyrinth the deed the, the lit, and they did, did they do the Toho game? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, just tell us about, uh, we haven't been covering it on our site, but we've been covering it's other been, games from the developer. Yeah. Just, uh, I guess, what does that you keep, uh, keep on going yeah. forward and what your experience with Drainus has been? Yeah, the, the the main the main reason we don't uh, we didn't really cover this game because it's not it's not a, a, a an RPG uh, for like their other games. It's actually a shoot 'em up. Uh, it's it's like the, yep. Uh, and people uh, hate the word shmup, so I just had to say shmup once. <laughs> we shmup. apologize. You know, the the name is like kind of derivative of like Gradius, but um, the, this game this game has like a, a gimmick to it. So much like uh, Gradius, it's like a two D shmup. And where you can like uh like level up like your your moves uh, and like uh, as you gain more power ups you have like a you can set a path of like what kind of power ups you want um uh, every time you can collect the power up item uh in it um in, in this game you have like a, a drain or absorb absorb mechanic where like laser incoming laser shots uh fired at you not physical shots you can actually like um absorb them and then you'll fire them like jehuti style from like zone of the enders where like like light beams come out of you the more the more shots you drain the more powerful and more shots you'll like reflect back that uh, at those with those light projectiles um throughout the game um you uh uh you gain like not necessarily experience points i i guess it's more like kind of like currency you kind of fill up like these bottles uh, at the top right corner as you're like progressing to the level and uh you know doing a good job you and then you'll like Fill up these bottles that you can use at like at an in-game shop in the game when you just pause, and then you can like buy like um, moves and power-ups uh, that will uh, you know you can add onto your arsenal. So let's say like I fill up like two of these bottles, and I want like a certain uh, shot type that lets me fire up and down vertically uh, as my as my next power-up. So I can buy this, and it costs like t- say two bottles. Um, and uh, I can slot it into my uh, ship, but I'm I'm free to um, dictate like at what point I gain this power up. So at, at at first, when you're like starting out the game, like you only have maybe like three like slots to like slot power ups in, 
and then you can gradually like uh, expand those lots up to like six, I think. And then so every time you gain a power up, you'll like unlock a new. Um, you'll progress this like slot system. So say I have uh, a laser beam, a bomb, an attack multiplier at like the first four slots. But say I want this um, laser beam uh, power up sooner, I could actually slot that uh, into an earlier slot, like say to the first power up slot. So whenever uh, the first time I get uh, a power up item, it'll switch to the laser beam immediately. And then after that, I get my second one, it'll power up again into whatever is into my second power up slot. And maybe that'll be the bomb. So it gives you a lot of flexibility over what kind of like playstyle you want to go for and also uh gives you um flexibility on like when you want these items available uh to you uh as you're progressing through the game how's um, the music it's really good Spunk it's excellent good. yep okay. team yep team ladybug continues to really kill it with their soundtracks um it's the the level it only has like six uh six stages but it does a really cool thing that i won't spoil at the end of your first playthrough that really incentivizes you to go through it again on your second playthrough it's a much diff more difficult version of the stages that you've been through but there's a reason why um the basic story premise is that yeah uh, i forgot the name the name of the the main character already but uh, you're like on the run from the space federation uh that's uh Try, try to acquire like this experimental aircraft that you're on um they sort of like kind of backstab you and you're like oh i gotta get the, get the hell out of here um and the, but then like one of like the people with you is like saying no this is a good chance for you to like kind of dismantle like the like the core of this like corrupt space federation and then the but like the the main character's like sister is also part of that space federation so there's like a lot of like tension between them saying i don't want to like you know, go against you and whatever in it. So there is like a like a decent story, like in the way it develops uh, in it. Uh, surprisingly enough, and there are like these uh, these floppy disks um, collectibles that you could uh, collect to uh, gain more like recordings of like lore in it. So you can it fleshes out the story even more. Um, I know a lot of people who play it will say, "Oh, it's the save data icon." Yeah, uh, that's the same. Like a lot of people play it, it's like, why am I collecting save buttons? <laughs> oh no, yes. But yeah, it, it's very responsive. It's cool as hell. Um, if you if people if you if you're a fan of shmups, uh, I definitely say give it a go. Support Team Ladybug. They continue to do really cool stuff. It's like it's not that long. Like it's like a first playthrough for me, like barely took an hour and a half. But then a, another playthrough took you know a similar amount of time, if not a little less. And then from then on, you um, can get like the rest of the collectibles that you missed and try like harder difficulty modes. So it's not like the well, longest a lot of game. Pumps are like that. But yeah. Or you might have like six stages or whatever, eight stages yeah. maybe. And then it's yeah. just replay, harder difficulties, you know, whatnot. Most shut ups is all about trying to beat it with one credit. Like never die or don't use a continue. That's yeah, they, they have. They have Did a you just call it a shut up? <laughs> shut up. <laughs> That's what I heard. They have, uh, yeah, but you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, they they have a they do have a, a difficulty mode where you die, die in one shot in it. The, I guess I forgot to mention like one more thing, like what happens when you actually take damage in this game, like in like if you're just playing it normally. Um, when you're playing it normally, you can actually like withstand shots as long as you have like a power up on you. So like say like as long as you say you have like 
you have three power-ups on you that unlocks like three of your arsenal. And you, so that means you can like withstand up to four shots uh, in it. Like the, the, the first three shots will like take away each power-up. And then like obviously the fight about if you don't have a power-up, um, you'll just die. Um, so it is kind of forgiving in that sense, though um, you start to you know be uh, maneuver pretty well against like enemies, so you don't get into this situation. Um, but like, um, but I but there's there 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 is a mode where like you'll just die in one hit no matter what. Uh, I, I just wondered, um, do you play the shoot up games from uh, Cave? Yeah, yeah, I, pl- I played. Uh, like, um, uh, I was just wondering, do they have like a true last boss if you could get to the? the last boss without continuing or without dying actually depending on the game you're playing i don't know i don't know if they have that mode because i've definitely died <laughs> on the way there but there but there is like a sort of true final boss at the end of your second playthrough for reasons because that's the thing with cave games it's like oh yeah if you could get to the last boss you get to fight this new extra four <laughs> I, I don't I, I haven't been able to like uh beat like the uh, do a whole playthrough without dying once because some of the bosses are really tricky and the, the the animations go really hard for those bosses too. Like they're, they're like the the visual fidelity of this game and the animations is. You know, what quite can a I say? It looks pretty good. I I just bought it right now, playing a few seconds of it. I uh, my my first expression is, it's Giga Wing, mixed with Gladius. That's uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah yeah yeah. I think that's my impression so far. Yeah yeah, you'll enjoy it. Last week, we uh, had the chance to talk with Adam, who went hands-on with the Chrono Cross remaster. We also talked about the Chrono Cross remaster, uh, obviously back when it released in April, talking about Cullen's review of the game that we put up on uh, on the website. And while we have, have plenty of podcast conversations about Chrono Cross specifically, we haven't had a chance to talk about the Radical Dreamers add-on that we received in English for the first time officially with the remaster. So we probably won't spend a ton of time on this, but since Adam just recently finished both Chrono Cross and the Radical Dreamers, I kind of wanted to give him just a window here just to kind of wrap up his thoughts from last week about the game after the discussion we had to incorporate his findings and his feelings on the Radical Dreamers add-on. So Adam, first of all, for people like me, who I know that this was appended with the game, but I don't know... I don't remember exactly like how it's attached to the Chrono Cross main game. Can you just kind of describe what Radical Dreamers is and then how it plays and what your thoughts were on it? Yeah, so Radical Dreamers came out before Chrono Cross. And so you could kind of say it was the original sequel to Chrono Trigger. Um, I don't know if it was ever like billed that way. Like, yes, it's a sequel, but it's kind of like the position it slotted itself into. And you can kind of think of it like a prototype for Cross. And it features some of the same characters like Surge and Kid. Um, but, you know, if you're talking about, like, canon or whatever, it effectively got replaced by Chrono Cross later. So now it's more of, like, this sort of curiosity, like an alternate story or whatever um, that has, um, you know, some of the elements of Chrono Cross, like, in terms of its premise and, like, characters. But other, it's not... An RPG, not I mean, it's barely an RPG. It's more of a text adventure sort of game with like text adventure RPG ish battles. Um, so, so, you, so you know, I never played Radical Dreamers. This is its first, you know, official English release. It had a fan trans fan translation for quite a while though. So, you know, many people have played it already. Here's its first official release. So, it's a short game. You can beat it in like three, four hours. You know, in a night. Um, and it's a text adventure game. It's kind of like a, a choose-your-own-adventure sort of thing where uh, you get some dialogue on the screen. There's some art that goes with it. 
the premise of the game is that you are the Radical Dreamers. So led by Kid, you are Surge, and Magil is there. Magil, or however you pronounce his name, and he's important. Um, and you three are, invi- are, are invading Lynx's manor. And so this is sort of similar to like the Viper Manor uh, raid in Chrono Cross, although that's not, you know, it's a little different uh, in terms of like the context of things. But you can kind of see if you play both, like uh, how one kind of was a prototype to the other. And it's sort of like a choose your own adventure book where it's like you, you meet a hallway. Do you go left or do you go right? Uh, you meet a door. Do you open it or do you continue on? You're in a room. What do you do? Sort of thing. And... um in terms of the style, I like it quite a lot. The art is nice. It's got kind of this old school, like, uh, it kind of reminds me, I know this was, what, a Saddle of View game, but it sort of reminds me of, like, the early kind of DOS era sort of art style in a way. Um, it's kind of, it's hard to ex- explain with words, but it's got a really nice art style. The localization is really solid, I think. Uh, it's the type of game where you're reading the whole game, so it better be good to read. And I think they did a really good job at this, and I know Cullen said the same thing uh, in his review. And overall, it's just kind of a nice experience, you know, not very long, only takes a night. And in terms of, like, just plot, if we're just talking plot, like, things that happen, I actually prefer this to Chrono Cross just because it, it feels more f- focused and more, like, you know, specified on like this event that happens rather than cross, which I think kind of gets a little bit out of control in some places uh, in terms of the events that take place in that game. So I'll take this sort of pared down focused version uh, as my preference. But overall, you know, it's the sort of game that it has multiple endings depending on what you do. You can get into like uh Bad endings, or you, I, I'm not sure. I think you might be able to just fail entirely if you lose all your health because you can lose health. I think my um, only pet peeve about that game is just the combat segments. Every choice yeah. you make, it sounds like you got you got hurt or some crap like that. It's like everything is bad. It, it's not like how useless. It's not about? really a combat game, you know. It's just uh, it, it's sort of you know you you'll be like you you encounter a skeleton. He swings. Do you dodge or block? Sort of thing. Um, so uh, you can follow a guide. I actually did to just like, how do I get to the ending of this? Um, because it's kind of like a puzzle in a way where you go to one room, you meet a character, they tell you the keys in this other room. So you go to the other room and an event happens and here's how you get the key and then sort of things like things like that. Um, so I did follow a guide just to kind of like, I just want to experience the story and get to the end. So I did. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just an enjoyable experience. I think you just got to go into it kind of, with the understanding that it's a prototype to cross. Uh, and it has some of the, some similar themes and events that happens. Uh, I don't know if the, one thing that was actually kind of interesting to me is like some of the music in Radical Dreamers. I recognize it from Chrono Cross. And to me, it's like, oh, it's a new version of Kids Theme or whatever. And it's like, actually, I guess it's the original version of Kids Theme. <laughs> it came out first. Uh, but it was kind of nice hearing some of the music that I associate with Chrono Cross in this game with a slightly different twist on it or take on it. But, you know, I think it was smart that they included it. But it's it's more of just kind of a, a fun little side addition. You know, someone asked me when I talked about this, you know, elsewhere, like, is this a good reason to buy the Radical Dreamers edition? I think it is a good reason, but it may not be like if this is the only thing you're interested in, it's may not be like 
worth it just for that. But, I think it is just worth it just for that. Just because really? the other game sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, the, the remaster is only $20. Yeah, the remaster is only $20. So that's a pretty good price, you know, relative to similar ones. Um, but I think it's it was a fun experience. So. Did you follow the guide on RPGsite.net for it? I did. I even tweaked oh. it a bit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you kind of, you kind of like quality checked it as you went. Through. It wasn't wrong. It was just like, oh, maybe this could be a little clearer. Uh, uh, it's yeah. pretty hard, like quality checking guides. You could just have like one slight error, and it completely throws you off. <laughs> but um, uh, there's a new scene, or it's not really a scene. If you beat Chrono Cross and Radical Dreamers in uh this remaster there's a new like two minute three minute like dialogue scene where some character is talking about some other characters and there are theories about who's talking about who i know we have an article on our page that alex wrote up speculation yeah talking he thinks he's talking about magil from radical dreamers who was originally designed to be uh magus (laughs) from trigger or janice who, in the whole scheme of things, is honestly a really important character in the Chrono whatever timeline. In the Chronoverse. Um, yeah. And, like, it's hard to know if this is just for fun. Is it teasing something? Is it wishful thinking on Square Enix's part? Like, maybe eventually we'll be able to follow up on this. But there is a new little scene that you can get uh, that... And people, you have to be pulled to get it. Around. I, yes. I, lo- I love Square Enix's like teasers of stuff that will never come to fruition. The world ends with you. The world ends with you. One came okay. You through. Got although, s- although it feels like we talked about this before. This is kind of off topic. It feels like the way they tease the world ends with you too, and then the, the final product seemed to be like they changed course somewhere there. You remember a little teaser called Final Fantasy. Type one. Yeah, there's type one. There's a teaser. There's a <laughs> teaser at the end. Of... Remember oh, yeah, yeah. when uh, Birth by Sleep Volume Two was going to be a PSP game? Oh yeah, I forget about that. There's a type oh, one teaser. Gosh. There's a teaser at the end of uh, World of Final Fantasy Maxima. The two. This is spoilers for World of Final Fantasy. Skip ahead Uh-oh. twenty seconds. The two twins end up separated. Uh, so like. Will we ever get the conclusion? Will we ever get a World of Final Fantasy two? Mm. Uh, like Square Enix so, does the, that. The, the teaser at the end so. of Crisis Core, and that is like the furthest in the Final Fantasy seven. No, line. you're talking about uh, oh, Dirge Cerberus. Oh, I forgot which one. Yeah, there's yeah, Cerberus. Cerberus. Yeah, but Genesis and, escapes from the crystal. He does a weird kind of ugly smirk and then flies away. Okay, it'll, it'll, be, it'll, uh, it'll be uncovered in uh, Ever Crisis. Yeah. Oh, we don't even have the license to get Gak back. I don't know. We'll find, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, if they ever, if we ever revisit we'll, we'll it, Genesis we'll show up in yeah. remake two <laughs> under a different with a different face. Oh my god! Yeah, he'll just show up as just like a voice. Or we love our Square Enix teasers that never come to fruition. But yeah, there's a new little like Chrono teaser. Um, so yeah. We'll follow up on that in like eight years and see. If it <laughs> yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, we'll wow. bookmark this podcast and we'll say we'll say we'll revisit in twenty four. We told you. <laughs> <laughs>
And as for the last uh, game that we're going to talk about at this uh, introductory section, James, we talked last week, had got his Steam Deck, and he talked about some of the experience that he had with it and setting it up and uh, the games that he's been able to get to work well with it. Uh, one of the games that he's been playing recently was one of our highlights from last year, and that is Near Replicant. So I, I believe, James, you played the original Near when it came out on the Xbox 360 a decade ago, and you maybe touched uh, Replicant yes, a little right. bit. But yeah, so... I bought this uh, remaster at launch and I I'd intended to play it. And then I don't remember what it was, but like another game came out that kind of like got its hooks in me and I just uh, never really got it. It happens. Yeah. Um, Also, I remembered the PC port, at least at launch. I don't think they patched it was kind of janky and like you needed special K to make it a, a steady frame rate and not have it have weird slowdown and stuff. Yeah, like you did. If you weren't like specifically like running like a 1080p machine and like they, they like they like optimize it for a very very like yeah. core set of specs and like I just happened to fall into that and like uh, that's why I was like I don't know I don't see anything. Wrong. <laughs> so, anyways, this uh, specific game runs basically perfectly on Steam Deck somehow. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, so here's the funny thing. Uh, most recently, Valve uh, just uh, mainlined the previous beta patch that allowed you to set the refresh rate of the Steam Deck screen manually, which you might think, what's the point of that? Well, there might be some games where you can get plenty of frame rate above 30 FPS. But if you're playing the if you're playing that game on a 60 hertz screen, you're going to want to cap it at 30 if you can't reach a steady 60 because frame rates above 30 FPS and below 60 FPS aren't going to have proper frame pacing on that screen. You'll get jitter. So one thing that Valve has done is that you can now change the refresh rate of the display from 40 hertz to 60 hertz and anything in between. Which means that even though you can't get a steady lock 60 um, FPS in your replicant, you can cap the screen at like 45 or 48 hertz and then cap the frame rate at that and you get a smooth image with proper frame pacing and it doesn't slow down. So as long as you have the frame rate counter off, and remember this game was originally like sometimes 30 FPS yeah. on PS3 and 360. <laughs> So like forty eight, like a a solid forty eight FPS at like medium settings. I'm not complaining about that. <laughs> Works perfectly. Like I'm I'm really having a good time with it. How far are you? Uh, I haven't gone to the time skip yet. I okay. I'm, I'm gonna be there uh, soon. I believe the time skip is right after uh, facade, right? The uh, yeah, after the desert place. Yep. Yeah. So yep. it should be pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, what do you think so far of the the remake and like just how everything feels? Is it a hot take to say I prefer the uh, combat in Replicant uh, now with the remake over uh, Atomda? I I agree with you. I, I think you, I me, and Colin like <laughs> agree on that. <laughs> I just the one thing I even though I don't think the original Nier's um combat's better than Atomda's. I always kind of had a soft spot for how like meaty mm-hmm. the combat felt in the original. Yeah. And so you basically get that same feeling here, but it feels smoother and there's more like action. Well, it already had action elements, but it's like it has some of that near Atomda flair, but still maintains like 
the feel of the combat from the original and it's like man I, i'm just I, I really like this yeah like i, I like how eighty it feels because like automata is cool and very slick but like the, your your weapon hits don't feel like impactful and it it was like very focused on like air juggling yeah it's not um, quite more style than substance but it kind of leans that way a little bit mm-hmm. it was so great it's just that yeah replicant kind of feels has a little bit more weight to it I, I still prefer Automata just because there's more customization in there. That's that's for me. Yeah, like the the module system is pretty cool in Automata for sure. But yeah, uh, especially considering the original state of this game. Well, no, I was going to say considering the original state of this game on PC, I wouldn't have expected it to run. But actually, uh, uh, Near Automata was the game that led to the development of DXVK, which is basically at the core of Proton. Uh, so. I guess it makes sense that they would have made sure that this game was working on Linux because the types of people that made this project a reality were like, I want to play near automaton on my Linux PC. So oh, DXVK converts uh, DX11 calls to Vulkan, right? Or do I have that backwards? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I, I was shocked that this was officially supported. It's listed as playable on Steam Deck by Valve, and it it's definitely playable. Uh, and it's one of those games where the only reason it's not a verified rating is because sometimes the game wants you to input text and you have to use the uh, shortcut to open up the on-screen keyboard, which that's a technicality. I'd say it's definitely uh, feeling like a verified game, and obviously if you're going to play it on Steam Deck or you want to play it, uh, I can say it's a set it and forget it situation just set it to medium settings uh cap the screen's refresh rate to 48 hertz you're you're golden you don't have to worry about slowdown you don't have to worry about judder it's just a, a smooth experience if i forget i forgot um does steam deck uh support like per game settings uh yes uh okay. and actually um it'll remember what your refresh rate was for each game so wow. normally okay. i just have it at 60 hertz for most games but uh, as soon as i boot up near replicant it'll cap the refresh rate at 48 hertz because that's why i set it in the uh that game's performance settings. I wonder if anyone's like made a database yet. I don't know, like maybe you know, like if like for like a Steam Deck database of like these are, like are the preferred settings for like this game. They haven't done anything specific like that, but if you go on ProtonDB, uh the developers of that site updated it so that there's like a separate like Steam Deck section for the compatibility reports. Mm-hmm. So whenever people like report how a game is working on Linux, they can say, hey, I'm playing this on Steam Deck. And you know that they played it on Steam Deck because they specifically made it that it'll only say that you have a Steam Deck if you log into the website from a Steam Deck. Oh, that's that's funny. Okay. So it's not quite the same thing, but if you're looking for games to, and you want to know how they run and maybe it's not listed as supported on Steam, you can just check there and it'll give you a good enough idea. But overall, I've been really, I think I said this last week, but I've been really impressed with how like legitimately good the compatibility has been so far like i i feel like i was already fairly positive about it because uh, back in the day i was like a daily driving linux and i was like oh i'm sure they can get a decent chunk of games working but it's really something else to actually be uh using a steam deck and just seeing games that quite frankly i never expected to work nicely just work out of the box and every day they're still improving it so 
Didn't they just uh, release uh, either, was it a Steam Deck update or a Steam OS update just like a, a few days ago? Or was it yesterday or something? Uh, yes, yesterday was the mainlining of uh, 3.2, the uh, uh, firmware update 3.2, which included the refresh rates uh, uh, editing, and uh, they added the new fan curve. Oh, okay, that, that's the big fan curve update. Okay. I'll be honest, it's a little bit of a tangent, but uh, I won't. I, I already talked about this game last week, but I was finishing up Aiden Chronicle Rising and I have it on PC and I was like, man, I wish I could play this in bed. Maybe I'll try that Steam uh, Steam Link app on my phone because I have a phone controller. And despite having a quick connection in my house, like for it just I didn't like the streaming quality of that. So now I'm kind of like, man, if only I had a Steam Deck, <laughs> I could have played this in bed oh, or I could have just bought it on Switch, I suppose, if only. Well, that kind of covers us for uh, games we've been playing, as well as kind of gets us into the meat and potatoes of the one of the larger announcements of the week, and that is the full reveal of uh, Trinity Trigger. We did have a couple other projects get announced uh, in the last week. Well, actually, if you include, I'll, I'll go into this part first. Um, if you include the Indie Live Expo 2022, We've got a ton of games that we got new trailers for, new features, uh, new uh, new screenshots, new art. And if you kind of go to rpgsite.net and go to the news section, uh, we've got like 9, 10, 11 different titles that were showcased at this event or, or in parallel with it that we don't really have the time to go through here. Absolutely every one of them. It would just end up being a soup of titles. Um, but I guess I will say for the people that did cover these or pay attention to the Indie Live Expo, was there any title from the uh, from the expo that you think we should should highlight here at the front? You can go first, Adam. So you know there are I, I I make an effort to cover like a lot of indie RPGs and like when they're coming out and whatnot. You know, try to give them some you know visibility uh, in a way, especially ones that look inter- interesting to me. One that has been in development for a while that I at least like how it looks is called Jack Move. It's like this kind of like pixel art style cyberpunk sort of game that has this sort of, um, you know, old school turn-based JRPG, you know, kind of uh, framing to it. And like, I have no idea about like the characters or the story or whatnot, but at least, you know, I like the color scheme. I like the pixel art style. So it's like, all right, I'll keep an eye on this. It's supposed to be coming out for Switch and PC. It's called Jack Move. Okay. Um, they, yeah, they recently uh, like, uh, put like a like an icebreaker prologue oh, yeah, demo. There's, there's a demo you can play. I'm yeah. not really a demo person. Me too. <laughs> so even though I'm interested in this game, um, it's like mm, I'll, I'll I'll just wait and see. You know, it's supposed to be coming out soon. So yeah, that that one looks cool for sure. Um, the the one the, there's actually two that really caught my eye. The first one uh, is called Meg's Monster. This is uh, by the developers of. Uh, they're called Oden Cat, and they uh, developed another adventure RPG called Bear's Restaurant. Um, Meg's Monster is really interesting because of like the the premise behind it is like you control like this near immortal monster. Like this monster has like nine 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 HP, and like it's like kind of sort of like an ogre, like a blue ogre with like horns sticking out to its side, but like one of its like arms is like a crab arm and like i guess the story premise is you come you find this lost girl um like in the underworld and you you quickly figure out that this girl whenever she cries she like brings the apocalypse down like so as she starts crying like you start seeing like 
meteors getting hurled in the air and like just things are just like going bad if she cries. So like in like your uh, so like the story uh, focuses on this monster trying to protect this girl and trying to find her mom with her. And like during like battle encounters, they sort of have like that Pokemon like perspective of like you facing off against the monster. But like the monster is like in front of the girl, like protecting her. And like and the girl has like sort of like not not an HP meter, but has like a it functions like one where I guess if you if that uh, her quote unquote HP meter goes down, she'll start crying, and that's a game over because you've brought on the apocalypse uh, on the world, and it's a it's a game over. So you have to you have to balance between like dealing with the monsters or the enemy in front of the monster, and also like making sure that like the girl is okay. So like so like when I mean, one of the battles you can shots like attack guard and toys. So like you, I assume you can give her toys in battle to like you know kind of comfort her and soothe her. Like that's a really cool, interesting premise for uh, like you know an RPG. So I really uh, like the look of that. Uh, it's almost like and, it's almost like a comfort meter where you got to keep yeah. her. Uh, in a certain like mind space in order to prevent a game over yeah and the uh, the other one is coming um i think uh what was it like i think end of july it's called a uh, lost epic and this game has been uh in early access for about a year now and uh lost epic is sort of like it's almost like a vanilla where uh s game it's uh, by the developers of the earth's dawn which sort of had a similar look, but it was more very sci-fi. Uh, and this one, this is like a more of a fantasy uh, look. It's a 2D uh, action RPG. Um, and uh, this one just looks really cool. Like it has a very fast, fluid action. has like a, like a sort, sort of like a skill tree for your characters. Um, they, they've been very uh, like active during early, uh, early access, and I've been keeping an eye on it. It also supports up to three players uh, in online co-op, so that's pretty cool. And yeah, uh, like you know, it's very much one of those like very fast two D side scroller actions, sort of like like a fantasy version of like say a Muramasa. Yeah, it does look uh, vanillaware esque. One of the uh, other announcements from this week, we don't have a lot to go on here, but we have some kind of striking pieces of artwork, and this is a new project from some of the talent behind God Eater and Freedom Wars. That's Toshiyuki Atsui. He has announced, uh, well, this the studio had been announced, his own company named TVT Co. Limited. It's an abbreviation of Tokyo Virtual Theory. And TVT has been working on a new engine. Uh, where is it? Theory Engine. Theory Engine. That's what it was. I was looking for it. And they've announced a new project that's going to be using this engine, currently only known as Project Shaz. Uh, TVT has published a new press release that describes this project and one other, along with some details on the Theory Engine, as well as a couple pieces of artwork, one that's more of a key concept art for the game and one that's showing kind of a roster of characters and kind of the design behind each of them, kind of specifying how how different this uh, cast of seven characters it looks like so far is shown. So uh, we don't know a ton about this Project Shaz, but the uh, we do know a little bit about the um, some of the talent behind the game and about the, uh, the talent working behind the new theory engine. Uh, not only do we have Yasui from the God Eater team working on it, we also have Katsushi Satake and Daisuke Emura who are working on the programming team for the engine. Uh, and we we shared this to our 
to our Twitter account, just the key concept art for Project Shaz, and a lot of people have seemed really receptive to it. We don't know a ton about premise of the game. Uh, we obviously don't know anything about like platform release date, anything like that. But it's just that there. It looks like the the whole goal here is for like fast, seamless multiplayer action online gaming sessions that are going to be kind of supported by this bespoke engine for this type of game that obviously will might feel like god eater and freedom wars and flavor i know that a couple of people up here have played some of the god eater games uh, uh has anyone here played freedom wars yeah I, I played a little bit of freedom wars that's a that's a really cool like uh like monster hunter light that released on the vita and like you're like kind of like a, a like a prisoner like in a cyber virtual uh like kind of premise and I, I I remember like the hook behind it was like you have like sort of like these like chains that you could like uh, wrap monsters around and like hook onto them uh, in battle uh, for for that game. A lot of people were very really liked it. They definitely found it's like uh, diehard loyal crowd that still you know praise it to this day. It was a very different sort of like monster to like back then. So you know I definitely can uh, understand why people are very excited for this. Uh, project it's uh we we don't really see much like many games these days that like chase after monster the monster Hunter formula anymore like like back then you know you had your tokiden you had your uh, soul sacrifice you had like the the final fantasy variants so like the that that whole like genre has like really died down because like you know monster hunter is like kind of back and ended again also it just seems kind of rare nowadays that um studios develop bespoke their own engines because they want to like tailor the capability to their style of game we just see a lot of times people will kind of drop down and use uh unity or unreal so the fact yeah. that tvt this new studio is completely focused on developing an engine and creating games utilizing it seems like a, a little a little bit i don't know if anachronistic is the right word but it's you see less and less people doing it th these days so that that in alone i think is kind of showing a level of ambition that this tvt co is kind of targeting the other game that they announced in this press release is project jabberwocky which is a rhythm a action game yeah i love that name it is a rhythm <laughs> action game that is being helmed by hiroyuki kotani who was the as far as i can tell the director of petapon so let's oh. fucking go <laughs> i knew that i was wondering if james was uh gonna chime in there so my guess is is that we'll uh Go ahead. I wonder if it'll be an RPG because technically Patapon 2 and 3 are RPGs. Oh, you heard it here first? Yeah, yeah, they're, 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 yeah in a certain respect, they are. They do have like sort of upgrade systems for your little Patapon. Yeah, like um, you have uh, gear, you have levels mm -hmm. for your Patapons, you have like um, formations and whatnot. It's more like a strategy RPG with uh, yeah. rhythm elements. But still, I mean, I, yeah, hey, maybe, maybe we'll be lucky and this will have RPG elements. I don't have a reason yeah. to, to cover it. Yeah, the they they did mention like you know this uh, the TVT studio is like currently you know uh, recruiting uh, staff members for development, uh, you know, and the the new action RPGs or action RPG they're working on is aimed for a worldwide market, so it's not just you know only for Japan or anything. So that's uh, really really a note, and you know I'm we're all very interested to see like how how this shapes up, and like uh, you were saying, Brian, like less and less Japanese developers develop their own engine like the only other one that comes to mind immediately is like falcom with their new the new engine they're using for their new games i mean capcom does everything on their well capcom is yeah, also like huge but even like, also, like, Enix, like yeah on, on well, did they engine. give up on luminous or like luminous is still being used for forspoken so we'll see uh 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think it's one of those things like, well, we poured a lot of freaking money into making this engine. We can't just like use it for like one or two games. But yeah, most Square Enix stuff is Unreal or some Unity. So yeah, but yeah. So uh, TVT Studio from former God Eater uh, talent, as well as some talent from uh, from Freedom Wars Dot Hack and Fate Grand Order. Uh, that's uh, art director Kusasaga Ren. So yeah, well, it'll probably be a while before we see more of this, but uh, it'll just kind of be an interesting thing to keep an eye on in the upcoming years. This is an announcement that uh, Josh spotted and wrote up the uh, news article for up on the site. And this is for uh, a game very much in the style of Square Enix's HD 2D set of remasters and releases. And But this is from Jia Meng Studio, who is creating a Wuxia-style pixel RPG that is either named or codenamed Wandering Sword. I don't know if that is the full title that of the game. Actual, yeah, on the All right, Steam so the full name Wandering Sword. So yeah, so we have a Steam page for this and the name then is Codename Wandering Sword. And we got a trailer for it, we got some screenshots and it looks very much like the HD2D implementation from things like Octopath Traveler and of course Triangle Strategy as well as some uh some 2D art to match it. I don't know if we've got a talent behind the, the 2D art here as well, but a uh, very interesting game that is looks like it's kind of d- designed in the style of specifically out of all the HD2D games that have been released or announced uh, in the Octopath Traveler style, but with a few specific callouts here, such as that the game will support multiple endings depending on the choices you make. Um, it will have a similar style to Octopath Traveler when it comes to the presentation and traversal through the maps as you explore the regions of China uh, in this period of time. And it just looks really neat. It looks pretty damn well polished. Uh, we do not have any sort of release date or uh, we, obviously we've got the Steam page. I don't know if there's any details here about console releases at all, but we do know that it will support English as well as simplified and traditional Chinese. So we do expect this to potentially be a worldwide release or at least come over and be supported in English in some fashion. Yeah, and then one of the the key like features they're touting too is like the there's like a like uh of combat system the way that you want they have like a turn-based uh style to the combat system or you can switch it to like a real-time combat mode so they, they really want to cater to both crowds of like you can either play the combat like turn-based style or if you're into action rpgs there's like a more combat heavy or like action heavy oriented style which is interesting i i'm uh, interested to see how that manifests like in the in the trailer they show bits and pieces of, like the turn-based style there's like grids on the uh, on the on the plane uh, as you're battling, so we haven't really shown off the real-time combat system yet. But that's it's really interesting to see more and more of these upcoming RPGs, like like kind of catered to like, hey, if you want, if you're a fan of this style, we'll have like both styles of like RPG for you. And it's just kind of interesting like, if you add this to the upcoming Dragon Quest Three Remaster, and of course Live Alive, which is only a couple months away. Uh, it seems like there really is quite a quite a growing list of this style of game. Those of us that are nostalgic for like the 16-bit era and games around that style, and kind of reimagined in a uh, a more modern context with a uh, modern rending technique. So this uh, Codename Wandering Sword is built in Unreal. I don't know if they actually specify the HD 2D engine, but it's clearly heavily inspired by that, though it is built in Unreal as... Yeah, I, I imagine they can't say HD 2D because that's probably a patent for... for that's my, for yeah, my thinking too, yeah. Yeah, so the, the, but it's definitely like similar techniques for sure. Um, but yeah, it's this is really really cool. It's uh, like Wuxia is like there's there's been a few uh, you know like Sword and Fairy uh, and other sort of sorts of games that like d- dabble into that style, but never like in this sort of presentation like like traditional JRPG pixel style. 
Like you don't see much of that these days. So that's this is really really cool. And the uh, the press release and the information for this game uh, seems to paint a strong emphasis on the denizens of the world because I mentioned that as you uh, encounter NPCs across your travels, they have a friendship affinity system where you can interact with them and eventually kind of learn like martial art techniques and get potentially even get weapons from them, as well as uh, a line here about NPCs having their own behavioral AI and kind of have like a like schedules or something that can be in in some way interface with the player. So don't know exactly how this can be implemented yet, but there's something that they're kind of putting in the forefront of their uh, of their initial marketing for it. So it'll be interesting to see like how that plays out uh, within the context of the game. Yeah, it's very ambitious, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. And that that on top of the fact that they're saying that the game will change based on the decisions you make and things like that. And another announcement, this is a this is a port announcement of an older game, but something that I kind of put up here at the front of the podcast, because I do think it is an interesting topic. Uh, we did have, uh, was it last year? Yeah, late last year, we had covered and even wrote a review for the Switch port of Star Wars Knights of Little Old Republic, the original game from 2003, not the remaster. And we got this week, potentially the expected announcement of a port for the sequel. So on June 8th, the Switch will get a port of Star Wars Knights of the, Knights of the Old Republic to the Sith Lords. Potentially not too surprising, this is being developed by Asper Media. And one thing that they have noted here is that they have announced that after release, they will have a free restored content DLC. Yeah, so when I first saw this (laughs) announcement, the very first thing I said when someone like linked the the trailer, I was like, well, the PC version has all this modded content and like restored content tweaks and whatnot. Like, do you really want to get it on Switch? And then like, oh, they actually address this, that there is going to be this restored content DLC. It's free coming after launch. And so like a lot of people seem to be really, uh, you know, happy about that. Because uh, otherwise it kind of feels, you know, like gimped in a way if it didn't have any of that. Because uh, for those who aren't aware, the original game is kind of infamously unfinished. Literally just kind of ends like... I mean, like, I'm not even trying to be, like... It's very abrupt. ...or whatever. It just kind of, like, you go to the final planet, like, the boss is just like, fight me, and you fight them, and then then it ends. Um, uh, And um, over the years, like, literally, what has it been, almost two decades now, uh, people, lots of people, probably, you know, maybe a lot, a lot of people in multiple efforts have been putting together uh, restored content, basically taking as much, like, from found in the assets of the game, like, like, official dialogue or scenes or artwork or whatnot to try to put together you know this restored content and it's become a very popular mod for the game on steam almost like many people will come almost call it like a requirement to play the game now um so the fact that they're including it in this switch version as sort of an official release is really cool now i gotta be clear that we don't know if this restored content dlc is going to be exactly the same as the mod on pc i imagine it won't be exactly the same it'll probably be some like packaged up version of it um but the fact that they're including some form of restored content in an official manner for the switch release is very cool even yeah, if it's coming after release sometime yeah it's gonna be like a free dlc so you don't have to pay for it as well so that's that's really interesting that like this is like now like an official thing <laughs> seeing this what used to be this like a, a mod like uh back that is like oh i'm really that's we've really come a long way with like the original release of Kotor 2 
and like all the efforts and like it's it's one of those like weird things like even though it's like still like rushed uh obviously it was still like a pretty fantastic game up until it is it's really good uh like i actually prefer it to the first one even Mm. without like an ending Mm -hmm. uh it it just it's a lot more interesting and it's like a take on star wars that is pretty different from any other take on star wars yeah so unfortunately it's got uh chris avalon's name still tied to it Mm -hmm. but um is what it is yeah you know yeah but and it it is kind of nice that this restored content whatever form it takes whether it's a package up version of this current existing mod or their like interpretation of it um it's a dlc that you can kind of opt into so Obviously, right. de- depending on uh, we kind of have to be careful with the language here because we don't know the details of it. But the the mod as it exists on PC, um, some of it is like touching up like the the Malachor sections at the ending where there's like the, the the dialogue exists in the game, so it was like mostly complete and the stuff that feels really natural. But then there's some stuff like the Droid Factory that kind of is hinted at but was never really approached in the game and it feels a little bit more mediocre and more slapdash where it's like does the game actually get improved it's kind of like a movie isn't immediately better if you add in all the deleted scenes they're deleted for a reason they might affect the flow or not be like themed properly or things like that and one of those things where it's like well if you want to just play the game as it released officially back in 2004 you can do that because you just don't have to opt into this content mod but it'll be interesting to see to what extent if any they might have polished up or potentially newly developed parts of this mod we don't know so we'll have to see and it's june 8th so not and not too long and uh, do we know if scott's interested in covering this as he covered the uh, original switch release for the first game not sure i have to imagine he's at least interested i don't know if he has time though Uh, okay so we'll see if we can get uh someone on this to to see what and what this ends up looking like uh, as it releases on switch with this new official dlc pack of something from two decades ago in terms of stuff that we've having have had to put together through fan efforts over the last 20 years we're still waiting for more news on that uh kotor one remake as well when they introduced mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that playstation stream so uh, i'm not surprised that that's still pending because it felt like it was a ways off yeah <laughs> yeah so the knights of the republic games like obviously they're sci-fi but they're really like based in like at its core like dungeon and dragons dice rolling in terms of gameplay so if you go in like more used to more modern like action RPGs, that is not what Knights of the Republic is. It's dice rules. So uh, presumably the remake will be more like as an action RPG, like as we know them in the modern day. That's my assumption. I do have a note here to follow up on an article on RPGsite.net that we called out last week, and that was the listing of the potential RPGs for the new PlayStation Plus premium service from the PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, 3, and Portable. And we talked last week about how the existing confirmed list of RPGs for the site was pretty darn thin, with actually none officially announced for PlayStation 1. We did, however, learn in the last seven days that the first Wild Arms seems to be coming to the service due to a store page listing on the Hong Kong PlayStation Network store. So Wild well, Arms... To be clear, the service is already live in Asia. Oh, <laughs> so, I didn't know that part. Like you could buy this and download this. Oh, okay. So. However, I do have a note here, and I think other people have been following this a little bit more closely than me, about the specific PlayStation 1 emulation on the service about whether or not it is the NTSC or the PAL, P-A-L, 50 hertz version of the game. Uh, maybe I'll hand this over to, I don't know, James about 
he seemed the one that in our discussion preceding the podcast. Let me add him. Let me add <laughs> him. Passionate about this. Right, so, yeah, before before we, before we get uh, the like dive deep into this, let's like you know for people who don't know how fifty like well, pal what is and pal? Just, just, yeah no. yeah what's pal what's NTSC, what's, what's right. fifty hertz what's sixty hertz so James talk just to give us a general overview first of like what's the difference between pal and NTSC fifty hertz versus sixty hertz refresh rates. In the long, well, ages long past of uh, the late 70s, early 80s. So the way that the electrical grids work in uh, North America and Europe differ in the sense that um, uh, in uh, in North America, it's divisible by 60. In Europe, it was divisible by 50, and that determined what sort of uh, signals TVs could uh, um, use. Uh, and I believe there was some like um, small differences in regards to resolution. So like even though like PAL TVs at a time could only refresh at 50 hertz, they had higher resolutions and stuff like that, but you never really saw that in games. Uh, that's not a problem today. Uh, people have gotten around it like it's the technology's improved that you're not going to see a major difference in uh modern games yeah everything uh, everything standardized at that at this point in time obviously and you know for people who are concerned about frame rates you know this is like kind of like the one of the big the like defining factors between 50 hertz and 60 hertz right of like what are like the maximum frame rates theoretically these refresh rates can support yeah, and and it would it would be one thing if uh, much like as I was talking about earlier with the Steam Deck, it was an option like if a game can't quite hit like sixty FPS, capping the refresh rate for a smooth like response at fifty, that's cool. That's not what this is. On PS4 and PS5, if you want to play these new PlayStation One classics, a bunch of first party Sony releases are using the PAL versions of the game, which capped at fifty. A hertz or 50 frames per second mm-hmm. which means that if your monitor or your tv does not support 50 hertz it's not going to be a smooth frame rate the frame pacing is going to be terrible this also like affects like lower frames so like if it has a cap of 30 frames per second like on ntsc it would be substantially lower like a 25 frames per second because of the mm-hmm. 50 hertz refresh signal and to make and by- matters worse, to make matters worse, because somehow they made it worse. Well, before I even get to this, can I just say that Sony learned nothing from the PlayStation Classic? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Because yeah, the main like, thing that- yeah, these were things that like already existed like when they first released and like and like they never fixed it. Like they never they never like, you know, fixed these ROMs. You know, they're just like you're like, okay, just put the PAL versions and then we're good. So like They've. Th- this has been an o- ongoing problem with them. It just like it has surfaced again because of this new service. They because people were thinking, okay, like since we're like having to pay more now, they're gonna do something to like improve it, right? Josh, on God, I I'm actually convinced that this is Jim Ryan just like uh, manufacturing consent here because he's the one that said, oh, nobody wants to play these old games. They're not yeah. gonna want to play them when they're like this. Okay, so. It was bad enough with the terrible frame pacing, but Sony released a patch which was supposed to improve things. What they did was instead of replacing the ROMs, they made it so that there's interlacing between the frames. So it looks 
like so, yeah. a smooth 60 fps but there's terrible terrible ghosting on every single frame yeah they, they like they they, they the, their solution to this was like a very very loose loose band-aid of like saying okay they they display at 60 hertz now but they're still using like the base 50 hertz rom so as a like a, as a result then like they're, they're like we're like trying to move a camera in the game for example it'll look massively massively blurry when you just try to like move the camera around in a game because like trying to like brute force that and that method introduces ghosting in those frames and as james was saying every time like you say like try to move the camera it's interlacing every single frame uh in the so process is this, is this similar to like motion interpolation on tvs where it's like adding artificial frames and that's where you get ghosting or maybe similar to that Yes, but worse, because at least with a TV, generally it's interlacing a uh, a 30 hertz uh, signal to 60 hertz, which means that there's going to be less ghosting because it's just it, it, it divides evenly. Mm -hmm. But 50 hertz to 60 hertz, it doesn't divide evenly, which means that there's going to be ghosting. It's inevitable. Yeah. By the way, uh... just just to make it clear, uh, I was just double checking if this was verified. So a writer over at VGC, Video Game Chronicle, Andy Robinson, did kind of confirm that the classic lineups, including Wild Arms, as long with everybody's golf, Jumping Flash, and Karushi on the uh, Asian version of the store are based on the PAL version. So if you download Wild Arms from the Asian store on the service, it is the 50 hertz version, like confirmed. But if you download Wild Arms from the PlayStation 3... It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take out it's your PlayStation just three. There you go. Bring it back. Bring it back. We got. We got to go back because modern Sony isn't isn't doing it. Isn't getting it done. Just go hack a PlayStation Classic or so. So to make things even worse, because of course they can get worse. Yeah. There is a video that um, before Digital Foundry, I forget the name. Let me let me really quickly find out who exactly did this uh, video. Um, it's that other guy on YouTube that does like performance, like analysis of games. Uh, not yeah. NX Gamer, but the like. I think it's but yeah, I know a lot of the news games. coming out of this. Uh, the Sony Classics is done. Like I know VGC has like actually like purchased several of the games available on the on the Asian you know service and have checked them out, like to see what what frame rate is it running and oh wow, look at this ghosting. So they've been doing a, look, a lot of looking at oh, that. Oh, and at least they bit. So I'm guessing it's um, they're Spanish or something. But yeah, uh, they did a video and uh, it's bad enough that there's the interlacing. Uh, it's a one size fits all solution. So regardless of if you're playing these PlayStation 1 games on PS4, PS4 Pro or PS5, they all have an internal resolution of 1440p. <laughs> uh, okay. And to make matters worse, even on PS5, there's frame drops on these PlayStation 1 games. Hell There's yeah. frame drops on these PlayStation 1 <laughs> games. <laughs> like, That's... massive ones. Like, they're showing, like, this, uh, I think, Toy Story 2 PlayStation 1 game, and it's, like, dropping down to, like, 35 FPS when it's, like, a 60 FPS game. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, and that, that's one of those games that you're lucky enough that it's the NTSC version. Oh, boy. Well. It's, like... Uh, I'm just going to say it because everyone's saying it and Sony needs to hear this. Mm -hmm. You can install RetroArch or DuckStation on a Series S, which is weaker than PlayStation 5, and it can play all of those PS1 games at 4K60, no problem. 
Yeah. So is... unofficial like PlayStation One emulation on an Xbox console is much, much better at emulating PlayStation One and PlayStation Two games than the PS5's official solution for it. Sony, fix your shit. Yeah, they need they need to really like rectify this because they're because they're expecting people to pay more for you know this type of, uh, this is the this is the type of service um, and i'm reminding myself yeah, yeah, yeah. of the tier it's 18 bucks a month yeah it's the most expensive tier as i was gonna say Oof. to get the classics so uh, unfortunate but hey wild arms is on the service now we didn't know that a week ago i'm trying Ooh. to be positive <laughs> Uh, we did get a lot more. The story is uh, buy the games separately if they let you, and then uh, obviously emulate them on your uh, Xbox. We did get a couple more trailers this week uh, for some games that had been previously announced, and what, this first one actually is still a teaser in spirit, and that is for Dragon Quest Treasures. So this is a game that we kind of had known has been in development for a while, and we didn't learn that it was Dragon Quest Treasures was going to be the title for it until like basically a year ago last may and uh, since then that was during the dragon quest 35th anniversary event and this is the uh this is the game that is starring a younger eric and i forget if it's mia or maya from dragon quest 11 and we had the initial announcement last year but kind of silenced since well today we got or in the last week we're reporting on today a teaser trailer for the game for dragon quest treasures uh it doesn't show any new like release date or platforms but we do have just some new footage showing the characters and showing kind of the premise of the game it's just 45 seconds long i don't know it's just kind of fun to see that uh that this game is still in development that we can hopefully expect to see it soon but yeah like the the end of the trailer does does say that like there will be more information on the game coming next month in june Uh, Mm -hmm. no specific date but uh, soon enough we'll uh get to see it and you know one of one of the things like when this first was announced uh, this is this is a title that's slated for a worldwide simultaneous release. So you know any 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 info that we get is meaningful because you know we'll be getting it at the same time as Japan when it releases. Before we got this, remind me, Adam. Before we learned that this was Dragon Quest Treasures, wasn't it originally slated to be part of another existing Dragon Quest spinoff series? What was the name of that uh, series? A long time ago. By a long time ago, I mean like 2018, maybe. Uh, during a stream for something else, um, they showed artwork with Eric and Mia saying this is going to be a new Dragon Quest Monsters game. Ah, okay. Um, there was never like a trailer or even like a title for it, other than they did say it was going to be a Monsters game. And then it disappeared for a while. And I'm pretty sure they said in interviews that like they just kind of repurposed it. Like now it's Treasures. You know, kind of that game became this. And we so, and we never got a, a, a platform for it. Um, but, you know, they said they're going to, we're going to get new news next month. So maybe it'll show up at you know, one of these summer stream things. So whether that's Square Enix or Summer Game Fest or somewhere else. So yeah, it looks cute. It looks charming. Uh, I've never played a, a Monsters game, but we'll be interesting to see what platforms it arrives on. EDS. And in uh, similar Dragon Quest news, this is a little bit of a more of a footnote, but the original Dragon Quest Builders is now available on uh, Apple iOS and Google Play. It is um, on sale for twenty one ninety nine, so kind of a premium title on the service. But you can now play Dragon Quest Builders on mobile. And make really good mobile. Here, yeah. Here's here's a question. Here's a question. I'm I'm pretty sure, except maybe for Chow, everyone. Well, no, no, no. Um, 
Can someone else that has an Apple TV check if it's playable on Apple TV? I don't have mine plugged in. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't have mine plugged in. <laughs> it's a good question. I don't know. But yeah, the, this uh, release, uh, surprise release uh, of it uh, was part of the 36th anniversary live stream. It's had like huge, uh, you know, series creator Yuji Hori, you know, like the, the, a bunch of that live stream was like him touring the Dragon Quest Island amusement park in Japan. And that was all good. As part of this um, um, mobile port of the first Builders game, they actually like there's actually some new features in it. Like obviously you'll have the standard overhauled UI to support touchscreens uh, better, but there's they actually added several quality of life enhancements that the first Builders never got. Like you can like it supports range placements of uh, when building things, so like you don't have to be right by a block to like place it. You can do it from like a distance now. And then one of the main grievances of the first Builders was it never let you craft things in batches. Which made things a lot, a lot more tedious than they needed to be. So they added that feature into it, and then they added like an undo button uh, in this game too. So like if you misplace something, you don't have to like manually go to it and like deconstruct it. You can just like hit an undo button, and then you're you're good to go. Are and these like, things like present more... in Builders too? Um, I think ranged and crafting and batches are in Builders too, but not. I don't think. Uh, I don't think Builders two had an undo button. Um what i remember but yeah i mean this is this is a really really good fit for uh, mobile for people who like who want to just have like a a chill fun time like building shit mm-hmm. um uh, like you know while, while like they're on a train ride or something like this is one of those games it's like it's very it's very simple take your time like go do what you want to do type game that's cool yes uh, yeah, just 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 a fun surprise that you know it's hard to be anything but think that it's just a, a cool option for people who want it yeah, it's on there. I just checked it. There you go. <laughs> oh, wait. Is it playable on Apple TV? Chow says it's on there, so I don't know. Chow, <laughs> is it playable? Go go spend $22 right now, Chow. <laughs> I will buy it if it's playable on Apple TV. Uh, I have no it idea. hasn't been ported to PC, and this is the most updated version of it. It's just so. it's it's like, if it displays on Apple TV with a price at the Apple TV store, is it like confirmed to be playable? I don't yes, know. Yes, I believe so. I believe okay. so. I oh, only yeah, that, that, that doesn't say anything then, unfortunately. Mm. Mm. Well, we'll we'll research it for next time. But yeah, cool to have. I didn't realize it never came to PC. You can emulate the PS3 version that never got localized. Or you can emulate the PS4 version. I mean, they got PS4 emulators. Uh, we got the expected third trailer for the third house, the Golden Deer, the Leicester Alliance for the upcoming Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. Uh, I don't really have anything to say here other than the fact that i'm uh, this feels like me trying to look for things to like whine about uh the characters across all the three houses are playable and i'm starting to see a lot of uh there's leone and uh what's the purple haired lawrence name lawrence yeah uh like they both are horseback characters in this game and like they play really similarly it looks like only with just some different flavor to like the animation so i'm wondering if i'm starting to see like some characters that you you know you can only portray a, a horseback cavalier wielding a spear in so many ways uh, Maybe the fair, they probably play this similarly in the game they come from also yeah well so. we kind of talked about like well when we see the the, the upcoming trailers uh well when you think about it characters like, that yeah, play alike well like like the, since you can like class change in this game like i think movesets are dictated by classes instead of like characters which would be kind of you know true to fire emblem current rendition anyway so might be silly to complain about that but got the final uh final of the main house and now now this is the one we expected of course 
So now the thing we're yeah. not sure of is that there, if we're going to see like the Church of Saros monastery group yeah. get a get a group or the uh, the Ashen Wolves from the uh, Cinder Shadows DLC, or as well as like some of the uh, the more uh, spin off specific characters like the mysterious mercenary. We'll see. I don't know. I, I like the, the, there's already like a, kind of like a, a stack list for like a Musou game, like uh, playable characters for modern Musou game at least. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Uh, the, the, those are very much question marks from a person who's like played a lot of these sorts mm-hmm. of games, um, you know. But I, I sort of like some of the the new designs. Like I, I like how they gave Raphael like a fucking bandana. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like some of Dana's other other iterations. I kind of like uh, hair down Marianne. Uh, I, I know a lot of my friends don't. I'm like hair, hair, hair down Marianne and hair up Hilda. Yeah, <laughs> Ignat so. still looks like a dweeb. But, yeah, yeah. Lorenz looks mostly the same. Lysithia looks mostly the same. And Leonie hasn't grown her hair out yet. But yeah, it's cool to have uh, all the main three houses casts uh, and have the new art styles people have created. Obviously, the the comparison tables for pre time skip, post time skip, and uh, spin off designs and some cool uh, creativity there. We did get uh, two trailers for the upcoming Honkai Star Rail. This is the turn based RPG from over slash mihoyo that was announced late last year we talked uh, a month ago about the character trailer of the character named march 3rd we did get another character seventh, trailer March seventh guys seventh oh i forgot uh, forgot the name because i got the date wrong march 7th i'm sorry <laughs> uh and then we got another we got the uh yes <laughs> because it's the same thing we got another character trailer for the character name serval who is kind of like a brash rocker type like musician who fights with a electric guitar like literally as far as i can tell an electric guitar uh and the, the most trailer... hilarious part is the japanese voice for her is ami <laughs> they got you know a, a well-established singer to voice is, her. This, is this the case where they designed the character for the voice actress who, who knows but i mean they got a, a well-established singer to voice her for the japanese voice well, they, uh, obviously, there's an English trailer and a Japanese trailer, and like the English trailer as well. So I'm wondering who they're doing to get the provide the singing slash character voice for the English character. I don't think it's been announced. It has the English website does have all the English VAs. So who is the English VA for Serval? Let me look this up if I can find it. Voiced by Natalie Bon Sistine in English. Oh, don't recognize the name, but I think her her she held the uh, the singing voice for the trailer. The trailer's kind of fun because it's like while she's like performing the character. So it's kind of an interesting, cool take on a character trailer that they're allowed to do because of the theming of this character. Uh, we also did get um, the opening cutscene for the game is was posted onto the, uh, the YouTube page for Honkai Star Rail. And yeah, a, a good chunk of people have like, uh, have been playing uh, like the, the, I think it's the second close beta test. So they've been uh, going through that and uh, checking out the game. Seems to be, yeah, you can, you can see a lot of footage from, from, uh, at least the first closed beta test. I don't know if it's maybe the second stuff's coming up on YouTube as well. I watched a couple, a couple, uh, an hour or so of the footage from the um, from the first beta test that they held a bit back. They still haven't released a announced release date for this game, so but I'm sure it's coming up fairly soon after the their current closed beta test. This do has you, to be coming out soon. I was going to ask, do you remember in Genshin Impact on how much betas that they made players play before the actual game was released? Do you remember? I mean, this one, this one has like a like a. It's not as a, a grand scope as Genshin, though. Like, this is not an open world exploration type deal. Like, the scope of this is much more restrained. Yeah, I, I know it's a lot smaller, but I, I just wonder. It's like 
I remember the beta. They went through like two betas, I think it was. For Genshin took forever to come out. I know but... it took forever, but they had like two betas that people could get access to before the game was released. That's what I remember. Yeah. But, no, but since we're talking about gotcha games, there's one thing that I, I forgot to ask. Did you get the chance to play Nino Kuni? Uh, okay. The, actually, the I'm glad you brought this up because I was like, I don't know if I. Uh, one, uh, no. Two, hell no. Um, <laughs> but I've heard a lot. Of, okay, the thing that initially drove me off from this, like, despite like murmurs of it having blockchain integration into the future before it released, I was like, okay, the 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 company behind it is already planning to integrate blockchain in some way into the future of it. I'm like, okay, like I, I want to try this out before it gets into any blockchain integration type stuff. So Tuesday comes, and then I'm like thinking, should I download the PC client to like play this game? Uh, one, like I was, I was already hearing like people talk about the PC client. It's like it's really bad on the PC client end already because you need to like install the game first on a mobile device to like make a login for the game to inter- to to link into the PC client so you can log into the PC client. So that's already one one, one big obstacle. That I'm like, okay, there's already no one. Uh, so to, and then the, the the next one was like, uh, like it didn't uh, have like uh, keybind support, so that you're kind of it didn't have controller support, and it doesn't have like uh, uh, you can't uh, switch up keybinds on it either. So I'm like, okay, there's already like a hassle. Three, like by default, it has like all the auto shit like uh, on, so like it'll do like auto questing, auto like everything for you, auto combat for you, and like apparently turning those those off are like is like kind of a pain in the ass too. So I'm like, okay, there's already three big things that I'm like, I already don't want to like engage <laughs> with this. I'm like, there's like a, a lot of other shit, right? like you know, surrounding it. And then uh, I I read up, uh, you know, as more people were getting into it, like you know what their findings were. Apparently, Netbarble, like, uh, I guess integrated like the blockchain crypto stuff already into the Western client because. There's a, a shop in the game where it has best in slot PvP gear that you can only buy with crypto in it. I'm like, mm, crypto bros, man. I don't, I, don't, I don't know about this. this well, hey, Josh, hey, Josh, the deal keeps getting worse every time. Did you see the part where, like, the first like community event through their official Discord yeah, oh, was yeah. having them, hey, give us a great review? It's like, yeah, they they immediately closed that when people were like, we're going to report you to Google. Yeah, like yeah, that that shit is actually illegal. Like uh, to like to, to like hold like community events and like their like their first event was like leave a, like a positive review for us on like the App Store or the Google Play Store and we'll give you rewards uh, on it. And like no, that shit's illegal, dude. So uh, like you actually cannot do that legally. I read um, up on Noisy Pixel. I think had a piece on this, and apparently it's. Even the crypto stuff is awkward because you're like using one, you buy one cryptocurrency, then it's like converted to another, and then it's converted to like something you can use in game. Oh my god! <laughs> Just like what? Yeah. So this the, this thing I do not want any part of. Like once I heard like uh, like everything I know up to now about that, I'm like, never mind. I'll I'm good. I'm good. Hell no. This is I, I, like it looks fun, but. I, I, I'm not a fan of those kids who's like, well, maybe there's a decent game, but A, B, C, D, E, F, G get in the way of it, and they're all pretty significant. I know it's a slow period for RPGs, but Jesus Christ, I'm not that desperate. <laughs> <laughs> did you Did you even try, Chow? Oh, hell no, man. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking about like giving it a try, but after how things have gone down, and like now it's like one of those things where like before, like I, I'm not trying to like be like you know cynical. Like, I'm, I'm not like cynical, but like, but it's one of those like weird fears that I have that like, oh, does this PC client also have like shady shit behind it? Like when you install it, because it has like some sort of crypto integration hook into the game. Is the it gonna like your computer becomes a yeah, toy yeah, miner? Right exactly. Up. Like I'm like, does it have like, like that, that's one of the, it's one of those things like that's that was one of the big things that like made me go, I'm not gonna install this. You know what? I mm, no. And now the, in retrospect or in hindsight, that's like the right call because I didn't know they also actually integrated crypto from the get go with the Western launch. It's like, oh my mm, oh my Well let's see if this game will die like Luna does. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. The number that the last Nino Kuni game ever made is going to be this. Well, is it really that much better than uh, the last Nino Kuni game ever made being Nino Kuni 2? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. up? Well, you know, at least Nino Kuni 2 didn't have crypto integration, so... You know. And it has the best production ever, though. It has a uh, president getting isekai, okay? It did have like, you know, Kuni 2 was as a JRPG was only uh, an hour long. It would have the best uh, story of a JRPG. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> true. <laughs> that was probably my favorite podcast last year was all of us learning how that game opens. Well, not, maybe not all of us, but several of us learning how that game opened. Oh, it was lovely. So unfortunately, I, I, uh, Nino Kuni Cross Worlds has some things you should know going in. Yeah, and like you know, the the if you want to give it a try, go for it. But I'm only here to inform people of what it has, and uh, they can use that info in however they way they want to. Yeah, and we're not just... stopping you. I mean, it's like going to the casino. You can go in there, but they're not stopping you. <laughs> so in the last week, and this is kind of something I'm gonna have to partner with Josh on. There was a Gundam Game Fest. Was this like a a streaming event or some sort of uh? It was like a live stream. Like it was like a recorded thing, and then they had like a premiere. Uh, they so it was just like a live stream. Uh, like it wasn't all live. It was like uh, clearly pre-recorded beforehand. And as um, it seems like the main headline from this Gundam Game Fest event was a worldwide release date for the upcoming SD Gundam Battle Alliance for August twenty fifth of this year. Is this a game that you have been anticipating? This is more of a is this more of a strategy RPG or what is a SD Gundam Battle Alliance? It was an action RPG. Um, that was my second from, guess. Yeah, from Bandai Namco. It's it's sort of like a. Um, kind of, sort of like Gundam Breakers, sort of like Dynasty Warriors Gundam. Um, child, did did you play like uh the G Generation games on PSP, like G Generation Wars and Overworld? Uh, I played. I think I played uh Overworld, and I played the uh, UC one. And the spirits count. UC spirits. Yeah, I mean, like if you played Overworld, so basically Overworld, like uh, like basically mixed like every Gundam like timeline like whether it was uc or au and then like in that game they're like break events where like they're like switch up like to the enemies that you face say like uh in in the first gundam it's supposed to be like a, a an encounter with char like you know at this battle uh against amuro but instead of char it's like maybe like the like an enemy from gundam c like say like the baku uh like uh, during that one episode of gundam c and like there's like there's a break event like alternated like the timeline of that game and like switch up the events uh sd gundam battle alliance basically takes that very concept and turns it into an action rpg where like it switches up 
like the enemies from one timeline into another. So one of the examples they uh, chose in that trailer for it was um, when dur- during the the first battle of Rambaral in his goof, and him saying this is no Zaku boy, and he's uh, as he's about to leave to Amuro to battle, like he gets uh, he gets switched up like mid like jump into like the Barbados instead. So you have to you have to fight the Barbados like in a gym, <laughs> like early on. Uh, from that, what that trailer implies. So it takes that 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 break concept, break phenomenon concept. Instead of a strategy RPG, it's now an action RPG. Um, so it, it's looking really cool, honestly. I really really like like the trailer's gameplay. Um, not so much like like the, the the translation of like like how they're marketing it, like what what sort of like text they use to like describe the game in the trailer. Um, but you know, but I, I'm sure like the the final games like translation quality will be better because that's just marketing materials but it's it's looking really neat they're introducing like you know obviously the break concept and how this game will allow up to like three players uh online co-op and um you can uh upgrade like your units like you know their their health their attack damage um and there it seems to be really like aiming for like a pretty diverse roster in it like one of like the announced units they uh showed off was uh this was leaked like a week uh, earlier uh, on the steam page but they announced like the the pre-order bonuses of like uh the musha knight and like command uh sd gundams uh in it and like these were you can like unlock these later in the game but these like are unlock uh early unlocks um there's like uh although the pre-order bonuses are the the lube unicorn gundam the Cao Cao wing gundam and the Sunjian uh, Gundam Astray from the Sangoku Soketsudan uh, series, uh, and the Night Gundam. So those are the pre-order bonuses. And kind of obscure for the for the DLCs. Yeah, yeah. And then it'll have like you know they announced they'll have a DLC season pass down the road and adding more units, uh, and so forth. So. Well, I know what I'll do if I play a G Generation game. Every time I play a G Generation game, uh, I like to disable enemy mechs and capture their parts and use it to build different mechs. That's the I think that was like a charm of one of the games. If I remember, I think it was the Game Boy Advance one that you could do that. <laughs> yeah, and and then and then the well, the Musha Knight and uh, Command are going to be in the game itself, not like DLC or anything. So I mean, this is this is looking really cool. This is for PlayStation Four, Five, Xbox, the the Xbox systems. And Switch and PC, so it's coming everywhere. Everywhere um, to everything worldwide on August 25th. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, the, the, the launch date trailer gives a pretty damn good look of like how this game will play, and it looks slick. Um, I'm, le- I'm really looking forward to it and playing with friends uh, on it. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. The other, the other uh, Gundam games that were shown off that, uh, in the Gundam Games Fest was uh, for the Gundam Evolution side, this is the Gundam Overwatch game that ran its closed beta test on PC a few weeks back. They announced the date of um, the console uh, the console beta test. Um, let me go pull up uh, exactly like when are those for people who are interested. This uh, starts on June 23rd and runs till June 28th. It'll be on PS5, PS4, and the Xbox uh, systems uh, this uh console beta um the application periods uh have already started so the first round uh started on may 26th and will run to june 12th and then the second round of applications uh is going to be from uh, june 12th to june 25th 
Um, they seem to be pretty open on like who they're letting in to this, but they did note if there are too many applicants, they'll just uh, do a drawing instead internally. Get canceled. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> but, um, so. Would they add, yeah. like, new different mechs to try out for the, for the console beta, or just what? No, it's going to be the same uh, units, same balance. Just they're just It's just to test out, like, the the networking side, so it's not, it's not going to have, like, new additions to the console uh, of, like, to the previous PC uh, closed beta. It seems to be all the content's going to Match up. I I assume we'll hear like new like stuff being a- added to the game after that console beta test is done and before release. I'm sure that's when they'll start announcing new stuff for it. So you know that's uh that's cool. Um, also for the the other Gundam game, the uh we talked about during the Gundam Games Fest is Gundam Battle Operation Two. That's been I know on PlayStation systems for quite a while now. So they were just saying, hey, you know we're we're adding Delta Plus from um the Gundam Unicorn series. In it, uh, that's already there, and then they also revealed that the Kshatriya from Gundam Unicorn is coming to that game. Um, th- they still have not uh, announced a new date for the beta test of the Steam version because the previous one that they tried to run, the very first like time slot for it, like b- broke the game so hard that no one could log in for multiple hours. Like they and they they kept uh, they couldn't find a fix to it, so they like postponed that beta test indefinitely and like canceled the other sessions of it and they have not like set a new date on when those are gonna you know and that's gonna be held again so unfortunately uh we don't know the status of the steam version of that game uh as of yet and then at the very end of the gundam games fest uh they unveiled one more unannounced title new title for the game uh for for the event and that is the newest entry in the G Generation series, SD Gundam G Generation Eternal. It's back, strategy RPG. Let's go, and it's coming to iOS and Android devices. <laughs> Hell yeah! So, as someone who hasn't played these, I take it that that these games have not typically been on iOS Android devices. No, this will be the first one on uh, for that series. They're usually on handheld, like PSP. Or, uh, or the most recent ones were on uh, PS4 and Switch, uh, the Genesis and Crossrays. They were pretty, uh, pretty cool games. Um, this one is, it's interesting because the, uh, this is uh, combining the UCN AU timelines, like how the old uh, PSP ones did on uh, like an overworld. In uh, in Genesis and Crossrays, they had like a, a divide where Genesis had only Universal Century units. And then Crossrays had like alternate universe units, uh, so they had that divide. They never really crisscrossed on that. Uh, so this one, it is aiming to combine like all those series plus more into it. So like G Gundam is going to be in this one. Um, it's going to have like stuff like Gundam Side Story, Missing Link. It's going to have like stuff from every. It's aiming to like include every single Gundam series into it. When, like when they first announced this, so like whether it was a TV anime, a movie, a manga, a a, a novel. Uh, they're trying so like they, they, the I posted up in the news post like the initial series they they revealed uh, in it, which is a lot of like you know um, what you'd expect, which is like the original Gundam, Zeta Gundam, Gundam Double Zeta, Gundam Wing, Gundam X. Um, then you have more out of the way stuff like uh, the MS Igloo type stuff and Missing Link. But um, one of the weird things in this is like. It's definitely going to be a gacha game for sure because like the initial screenshots have like a gacha currency, but no one's really sure yet what you're 
gonna gotcha for because in the because in the in the feature list on the official website for this, um, it says you you can obtain new units, warships, and characters by completing stages and one of, and via development. And one of the weird things that would makes G Gen uh, generation um, weird as a gotcha title is because the game has one of its like defining traits is sort of like a Pokemon system literary units where as you're leveling up let's say the original Gundam at level two you can turn it into another like unit or at level four level five level seven though it can turn it to like other units uh so it has like a branching path almost of like what you can develop it into so it's like the the whole G generation series uh, these strategy RPGs like the kind of one of the main gameplay hooks is like constantly developing units into other units and like advancing those like uh kind of like unit like um branches um and so they're constantly evolving into other units uh in them so like the, that that system is still going to be in this g generation eternal mobile game which is like and that system is kind of like in like it's kind of like intrinsic to like be an antithesis to a gacha game because if you're not gachaing for units because you can develop those units into other units so you don't have to like gacha for those other units then what are you like rolling for are you rolling for characters but it just but it already says but it already says um you know you can obtain characters through like completing stages so no one's really sure yet of like how this like gotcha system will manifest in this game yet but i you know i'm i'm a sucker for this game these kinds of games i'll definitely give this game a shot i'm very interested in how they will handle this um the 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 brief footage and gameplay screenshots that you see of like the strategy RPG gameplay is uh, also um, it, it's you know it has your typical fast forward auto system like in other mobile games. But the thing that really interests me is like it seems like the units have like a decent weapon arsenal. The uh, that they like you know they they have like three to four like different weapons that they can use in battle. And like why that like sticks out to me is because Bandai Namco has done this with another um series, the Super Robot Wars series. Uh they have a mobile game in Japan called Super Robot Wars DD. It is you know, tries to emulate the strategy RPG uh gameplay of that. But the main thing that is kind of scummy about that game is like you earn the units in that game through progressing like you know stages and the characters so you can earn those units you don't have to like you know roll for them but what you're rolling for in that game is attacks so like you'll have like a rare super rare and super super secret rare ssr like attack and so like at any given moment in that game you only have like your basic bitch attack and like and whatever attack you rolled for for that unit uh, so they only have like so you're, two. You're thinking that how that's how it might be implemented into Gundam G Generation Eternal. So I don't know. So I don't know exactly if that's how it's going to be implemented. Maybe, quite possibly. But the, but it's already shown like in one of the screenshots that like like the original like or one of the Gundams has like four attacks on them and seems to be a very feature complete like unit. So I don't know if like is that what you're rolling for for like additional attack armaments on them or what. So who knows? I don't really know um because that doesn't make sense either but you know they very well could be like that but i'm i don't know this this is one of those like products is like i know how g generation works and i know like what how, how these systems interact and i'm really curious to see how they um it, implement this into like a mobile gacha game 
framework. And of course, I'm, I'm a real, real big sucker of like, oh man, they're combining like every Gundam series together in one package. Let's fucking go, <laughs> you know? Because I have a simpleton brain like that when I see Gundam games. <laughs> so you know, there's, there's definitely that. This and SD Gundam Battle Alliance are like the two Gundam games that like really caught my eye during this Gundam Games Fest. I, obviously, I'm still very excited for Gundam Evolution, but that I've already played that game. I already tried that game. I already know I want to play it, and I, I'm waiting for like the full release now. You know. Yeah, we don't have any details of the release other than that it will be free to play with some sort of gotcha microtransaction element. The last announced game that we'll be covering here is a game from publisher Fly High Works called Boncho Tactics. I don't know uh, a lot about this game, but I believe that Josh covered the uh, announcement post for this. So uh, what is this game, Josh? I don't know much about the uh, developer or uh, if you were looking forward to this game before it got announced or like what this developer was working on or if you just kind of saw it after the fact and thought it was interesting. What is Boncho Tactics? Yeah, this came out of nowhere for me. This is uh, being published at Fly High Works and Fly High has uh, published like a few things on Switch, but I'm not really too familiar with Fly High. But Boncho Tactics is... A pretty interesting premise. They're uh, working with uh, developer Secret Character, and um, and they also like mentioned that like Secret Character's investor, it's uh, Aramata, uh, is also assisting development on this. Um, uh, they're, they're a Bangkok-based uh, small uh, yeah, studio, um, and they're basically uh, combining like the genre of like strategy RPG, like you know, go your typical strategy RPG of like exploring the grid and isometric view with uh the world of japanese high school delinquents banjos um and and you've you've seen you've seen this character archetype like in 13 sentinels uh brian Mm -hmm. Uh, they always have a pompadour yep they always have a pompadour so uh the the you know they they showcase you know the premise of this like there's these three warring uh you know school uh schools uh you know who have been uh, at war with each other for some time you know to like you know their bancho cultures were very much about like showing off that like you're the strongest, you know, this is our turf, don't don't step on it, uh, and so forth. So, you know, they they've uh, shown off like the first screenshots, uh, have like battles uh going on like in Japanese like arcades, uh a basketball gym, um school like a train station. And it just uh it seems really cool. You know, they like uh there's you, they don't detail much about the characters except that you're playing like this uh like idea it's like wow that's like such a novel concept they have uh they didn't really go into depth about like the gameplay systems of this game but uh you know there are uh you can like develop like characters as they level up you can uh, develop their hp stat attack stat defense stat and sp stat they have like a ex attacks which are uh, presumably like uh unique skills and abilities uh, each of the characters have um and you know, and the the trailer for it just really shows off a lot of like cool, uh, cool things about it. That's uh, it's really, um, I, I like it's it's just a, a neat concept to me. I don't know what I don't know what about it really like draws me into it, but I, uh, like I saw it, I was like, oh man, I really want to try this game out. Uh, like whenever it releases, it's like releasing sometime in like in early twenty twenty three, and like the Steam page for it, it's only announced for uh, PC for now. I don't know if they're gonna uh, bring it to other platforms. But the Steam uh, Steam page for it says it'll support English, simplified Chinese, Japanese, and Thai. And yeah, it's it seems like a really neat, cool idea. Yeah, and the uh, our news page for it had 
quite a few uh, impressions, like the little thumbs up and smiles of it. And then uh, I think our, our social media tweet did as well. Yeah, it's just a very stylish game with a kind of a unique uh, a unique premise. So it's kind of easy to get drawn to it and say, like, yeah, this is pretty interesting. It's only announced for PC so far. And as you said, it's uh, early 2023 is the slated date. Yeah, and, and it, it definitely carries that uh, for people who like the Kuniyoku and River City Ransom uh, games. Like the visual style is very inspired uh by those types of games which is always uh pretty cool pretty uh they're pretty adorable and then they also listed uh the crows manga and final fantasy tactics because it's a strategy rpg and it's the only strategy rpg in existence obviously yeah uh, that's a stretch it's game. like it's isometric i suppose <laughs> and grid based does that make it mean it's inspired by final fantasy tactics mm. i don't know we'll see we'll see if there's like any like cool like uh positionals or like environmental like interactions uh in gameplay that uh, will you know maybe it, it'll have those systems in it who knows yeah it looks really fun uh maybe it'll be one of the sleeper hits for next year when we get to see it again uh, at the tail end of this podcast here we just have a couple uh, a couple release dates and a couple little follow-ups of previously announced things um temtem is finally releasing out of early access on September 6th. Obviously, it's been in early access since like January of 2020, at least. Uh, so it's been around a while and it's finally going to get to its formal 1.0 release in here in a few months. We did get a Western release date announcement for the third title in the Yomawari series, Yomawari Lost in the Dark. Uh, actually, we did not get the date announcement other than that it is coming West this fall. This originally released in Japan in April of this year. So we do know it'll be uh, out west before the end of the year uh, in both the U.S. and EU. Anyone here play the other Yomawari games? No, but I've always wanted to. I just never got around to them. I like I, I've I've, I've attended played, like old go for it James. I've played like a bit of the first one. Uh, it's funny because like the first Yomawari has we were talking about insane openings in video games. Uh, the first three minutes of yomawari is actually traumatizing oh my yeah, god it is a shocker i actually beat the first game actually that's yomawari night alone was the first one yeah, i never and, played the sequel though like chow like back me up here when i say that the first three minutes of yomawari is traumatizing i am not being i'm not exaggerating here no he's not he, he really isn't and yeah <laughs> Yeah, I I I just wanna. I have never gotten around to those games, but I really want to. I've attended like old like anime expo panels about the game, and like the creator of the game is like very like, you know, obviously very enthusiastic and passionate oh, about man. the game. And, like, it's a pretty awesome. short game. I remember yeah. that. I, I remember that. It's yeah. it's kind of it was kind of fucked up because like didn't the creator say that they that that part of what gave them the ideas for some of the monsters was like them returning from work like overworked and super tired or something i think so like along those lines yeah like it like a lot a lot of the inspiration for the game is like just like driving home from work in the night and like you know conceptualizing the game and like they and like placing like a form to their fears <laughs> and, they, they, and they spoke about it like very like cheerfully and joyfully <laughs> i was like this is this is quite the panel <laughs> well i don't know like when people make horror stuff i mean to their perspective it seems like a comedy it's like when people filming the grudge the mm -hmm. actors over there it looks like a comedy scene but whatever that was shown on screen was a horror segment right you know so maybe they're just relieving that kind of experience but yeah i, I highly recommend the first game it's not 
it's not really long, actually. You could probably beat it in one sitting. I actually remember I beat it in like one sitting. And the, and the people saying like you know like like even even if you like didn't like felt like the first game was too simple. Apparently, the sequel really like added on a lot of like cool mechanics that people really enjoyed. So like people people who are into the Yamawari series like really really like it. And uh, Yomawari three, the this new one, which is Lost in the Dark, coming out this fall at some point. It's uh, it's a new story, so you, it even the press release specifies that you can jump right in at this point if you haven't played uh, Night Alone or Midnight Shadows. I love this how one... they've announced the localization for Yomawari three before they uh, announced Galleria. Yomawari three just came out. <laughs> mm-hmm. It would be like that. The, the Yomawari 3, as I was writing up the news post, like uh, there's like an interesting mechanic where like, I don't know if this was present in the, present, or the past Yomawari's, where like you can have like the character like close her eyes and like uh, when she closes her eyes, like uh, her, her uh, she'll like, she'll erase her presence to like other spirits. But so like you have to like kind of like wander in the dark almost, like get past like certain dangerous situations. I want to say that's in one of the previous games. I think it was in two. I don't know if it was in one. The uh, Chow, was it in one? I don't think so. Yeah, I, that sounds familiar, though. So I think it was in two. We've but talked, anyways, obviously. Uh, oh, sorry. I was going to go on to the next topic. I was going to say, it's obviously this game is going to come announced before Gallery. I mean, there wasn't much to localize in the first game. And I don't think there will be the same applies for sequels, probably. This gets, uh, this gets priority because it has less text. And therefore, yeah, I mean, text, I mean, it's the same, you know, your workload's going to be massive. Of course, that thing's going to take longer. So, so expect Gallery in 2027, maybe, says Xiao. We've been talking a bit in the last uh, in the last couple of weeks about Aiden Chronicle with the release of Rising. Obviously, looking forward to next year's Aiden Chronicle Hundred Heroes. Uh, not a lot of news here. Obviously, the Kickstarter has been kind of frequently updating, as Adam had detailed in one of our previous podcasts about all the characters and things like that. Uh, but Aiden Chronicles Hundred Heroes. They did announce that it will be releasing on Nintendo Switch. Up until this point, it had kind of been a little bit unclear because they didn't know the state of what Nintendo's console options would look like upon the release of Aiden Chronicle and 100 Heroes, whether there'd be a Switch 2 or some follow-up that they'd release on instead. But in a Kickstarter post update, Rabbit and Bear has confirmed that 100 Heroes, regardless of what Nintendo does in the next year or two, um, 100 Heroes will release on Nintendo Switch. So... Kind of a small I think footnote. Some people had like the wrong idea on this, where they're like, they don't know if it'll run on Switch. It's not so much that. It's it's they're trying to avoid the problem that some Kickstarters Kickstarters well, had, the where they said it's going to come to Wii U, 3DS, and Vita. Then by the time the game is ready, those consoles are like dead and buried, <laughs> and then they are sometimes canceled. Everyone anyway. So basically, they're just being cautious. They're like, when they did the Kickstarter, they're like, we're going to put this on a Nintendo platform that may be Switch, it may not be Switch. We don't know yet. Uh, and then basically now they're just saying, okay, Switch is still in vogue. We couldn't have known this, you know, three years ago or whenever yeah. they did the Kickstarter. So we'll just, we'll, we are going to put it on Switch. That's all it is. I feel like so. it was kind of obvious though. Switch was actually a massive success compared to the Wii U. So Well, they, don't, they didn't know how long the development was going to take either. So, yeah, and, all, we, and also we don't know like all those rumors last two years. Yeah, about. but even with that in mind, it's like even like the PS4 and and, you know, they're still making games for PS4 and porting them over to PS5 because not everyone has switched on to the PS5. It's just like, I feel like it's a no-brainer. I think there's like a, like a little bit of like a, a and B here where like, uh, y- yes, it is also like at the time of announcement during the Kickstarter date, there's no way they could have known how long development would take. Plus, they don't know if like what Nintendo's plans were. 
But the, you know, there's also a certain factor of you. You've heard like development studios time and time again having to like think about face challenging development issues of like porting games to Switch because like you know there's a certain like standard that they developed the game on originally, and then when they tried to port it over to Switch, they had like found like new uh, technical hurdles that they had to come across. Like, okay, how are we gonna like what compromises do we have to make to this game and porting it to the Switch in order for it to run it at a decent you know. Uh, I feel like they just want to avoid the mighty number nine fiasco. They just don't want to go for the same boat as Inafune announcing ports to all these different type of consoles. Yeah. And Remember, then, guys, it's still definitely coming to 3DS and Vita any day now. Mm, right away. When the I'll, I'll check it when the App Store is alive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, but that that's obviously good news to people who wanted to play Auden on Switch. It's still going to be a very, 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 very popular console uh, next year. You know, it's not stopping anytime soon. So this is the this is the right call for them to just like uh, kind of clarify it now and say, yeah, we're committed to uh, bringing this to Switch no matter what. And, and that's good that they they finally cleared that up because it's still very much like, uh, are they still going to do it type deal? But yeah, but the, this in no way, shape, or form like it's still coming to the PlayStation Five and Four and the Xbox Series and the Xbox One and PC. It's still, st- it's still slated for next year. Yeah, it's just confirming in Switch, which is kind of a small detail, but a, a welcome one for those that uh, were were waiting for it and planning to play it there. I would have backed the Kickstarter. They had that Switch announcement there. <laughs> And the final bit of news here really isn't news at all, but maybe just the fact that this is a headline at all might be teasing something. And that is that Capcom has opened up a fairly fancy new website celebrating the 10th anniversary of Dragon's Dogma. And if you go to this website, dragonsdogma.com, it is starting May 2022. Dragon's Dogma is celebrating its 10th anniversary. It has a 10th anniversary message. Uh, from the developers, basically thanking uh, all the players of the game, because obviously over the last couple of years it released on Switch, it uh, uh, had the Netflix series. Then, you know, no news of a sequel at all. I guess I should just kind of state that outright. There's not even any twos, any tease for upcoming news. It doesn't say like, stay tuned, we're going to be announcing something. But they're saying that we're very excited for this 10-year celebration and can't wait to get you all involved. So I feel like the language about this 10th anniversary celebration for Dragon's Dogma is like very carefully written. And Yeah, like, I I almost put it in the news post, but the uh, Japanese version of the director's message does outright imply, oh yeah, we're excited to, see, to show, we're, we're excited for the future, basically. And it's like, yeah, I hmm. wonder what that means. Yeah. Uh, well, who knows? Hopefully, the the wind is pushing us all towards uh, Dragon's Dogma too. I understand that reference. <laughs> yeah, but I I'm I'm very excited to see what what comes out of this. It's really funny to see you know the chronology of like the Western timelines versus the Japanese timelines because obviously they can't include things like Dragon's Dogma online and the Western timelines because they never it never released you know in the West so. Like uh, one of our most recent Dragon's Dogma projects that the West saw was the Dragon's Dogma Netflix anime. Hell yeah! I, I, I yeah, <laughs> it was a whimper. Apparently, I, I forgot. I, I forgot it existed. Netflix anime. Yeah, I, I I forgot it existed until I went to the site and they're like, oh yeah, they're Dragon's Dogma. I remember watching like at least three episodes and I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Well, my favorite little nugget of this is that they're they're sharing like 
follow our website or Twitter. By the way, we have a freshly arisen Instagram channel. Like, so now there is a Dragon's Dogma game Instagram. Like 10 years, like part just didn't exist until this 10th anniversary celebration. It's only got one post that is just concept art about from the original game. Uh, yeah. which I just think it's fun. It's like, hmm, would they really make this me just being stupid, but would they really make a new Instagram page for a 10 year old game just for funsies? I'm not sure. We will obviously no, speculate on that. Too confirmed. Yeah, of course. I could, yeah. I, could already, I could already hear Alex being like, all right, guys, to put up your best uh, ideas of what would you like to see Dragon's Dogma 2? <laughs> I would like to, I would like to say an announcement, like guys. Infinite stamina outside of combat would be nice. The moon. If, the moon. Hmm? Take us to the moon. I know you wanted us to be there in the first game. Take us to the moon. <laughs> I do want to say that I, I do think that obviously publishers should just be able to celebrate anniversaries without the expectation. Like they must be announcing something like it's 10th anniversary. We got to learn about a new game now because that's how this works. But just the fact that they have been pretty quiet about the game for most it's of its life. Yeah, and I mean, like the specific the context lead. of this one, yeah, you know, and also it's one of those weird things that like they kind of built up that expectations themselves. Like a lot of like companies, especially Japanese companies, always announce things like on the anniversary of like it's like an anniversary like celebration period or like on the day of the anniversary. Like they kind of like built that expectation up themselves because they've done it so many times throughout like history. <laughs> it's not one of those things. It's like it was like. They they kind of like built up that they self imposed that themselves in a weird and way. Speaking of that, like there's been some rumblings and hints about what we might see for the Final Fantasy VII 25th anniversary stuff. Yeah, you know? I, I remember remember like the live live alive like or live alive uh like anniversary celebration of like that stream that showed nothing. But then here we are, current day, current time, we're waiting for a a, a brand new spanking HD 2D remake of Live Alive. And like, mm-hmm. there's a there's a reason they like announced that live stream like on that's his very specific anniversary out of nowhere because it was like building up to the you know, announcement of that product, you know. And that kind of covers us for this podcast. And I am always just baffled how we can say it's a dead period or whatever and still go for two and a half hours just talking about everything under the sun. I, I appreciate it. It's really cool. It just. Always good to know that there's plenty that we can pull from to uh, to discuss and to kind of go over, deliberate what we're looking forward to and obviously stuff we played in our backlogs. So I will give one final shout out here that uh, some stuff that we didn't cover for this week is if you go to RPGSite.net, uh, all the stuff that has been announced in this last week of March, there has been a lot of games announced from the Indie Game Expo 2022. And these games sometimes... You know, it's hard, it's hard to stand out from the crowd for this. So we were able to kind of cover a couple here to kind of give them some uh, some shine and some spotlight. But we do, Adam and Josh and other news uh, news writers have been able to kind of cover all those different announcements that came out of that Indie, uh, indie Expo. So go ahead and give that a look, as well as the stuff about the, uh, the Trinity Trigger and the other things that we talked about on the podcast here. You can follow RPG Site on all the social media channels, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and of course, our Twitter page. And you can join our Discord by going to discord.gg slash RPG site or hitting the link at the top of the homepage. Uh, and hang in there. We know, at least for fans of RPGs, it's a little bit of a quiet time. But uh, There's actually going to be like a, a series of events coming up this upcoming week with the new PlayStation State of Play and a yep. Sega new project announcement. We don't know if like there's going to be RPGs there, but 
you know, you never know. You never know. Yeah, we. I mean, we know based from the horse's mouth that a Final Fantasy 16 trailer is complete. So hmm, we might see it. Uh, they, yeah, we we'll we'll maybe see that soon. June is almost upon us, and uh, that always seems to be an exciting time for uh, for gaming fans, and has been for a while. So hang in there, and until you hear from us next time, stay safe and take care, and we will talk to you then. <laughs>